0: Two years ago, Jonathan Hickman left the X-Men line of books and outside of a Moon Knight book that he did, a one-shot oh, that he yeah. did, we haven't seen much of Hickman around these parts. It was two years ago? Uh, It was 2021. It's so been... I'm fat. cheating a little bit, but you know. Um, We finally know... What Hickman's next major project at Marvel will be, and um, it was an ultimate surprise. Hmm. An ultimate surprise, or the ultimate surprise? I think it was an ultimate surprise. Interesting. I don't, I don't think we we know the ultimate surprise yet. There could be other ultimate surprises. One hundred percent. Interesting.
1: The most ultimate surprise was Wanda and Pietro, in my opinion, but
2: well that's that was the most ultimate surprise. You're you're kind of nasty, bro. All
0: right. Um up. so twenty years, twenty years since the debut of Ultimates. And Hickman is returning to the Ultimates line, maybe, possibly, with Brian Hitch, one of the architects. I was blown away. I was shocked. (laughs) Ultimate Invasion is coming, and we're going to be talking about that. Uh, We're going to be talking about what that means for Marvel, speculate a little bit about, you know, is this a return of the Ultimate Universe for real? I think there's a lot to chew on there, so we're going to be getting into that. Uh, it's Comics Pro Week, which is an event where all the different—not um, all, but a majority of the different publishers get together with retailers, and uh, you know they kind of tease what's coming um, down the pike for the different publishers and things like that. We got a lot of information from there, and uh, and a lot more. We got a big show for you guys today, jam-packed week. If you're watching live, do say hello. We're happy to see everybody, of course. Uh, let us know what's up, Flo. We'll see you. What's up, Dan? How you guys doing? Let us know what's up, Flo. Did you mean to, to ram in that one? No. Thank Hold you on. for pointing that out. Hold on.
2: <laughs> Would you get off Marvel Snap for five fucking seconds? We're I'm, doing a show. I'm tweeting i'm doing
1: engagement for the show thank you it's real easy to lie when you're when you're looking at your crotch oh no that's a teacher i'm tweeting on the computer screen i'm actually inspecting the goods right now Mm -hmm. The
0: goods
2: yeah yeah he's not playing marvel snap he's which is
1: my cereal i was counting the marshmallows in my cereal that's a visual gag for the unbelievable. Let's not talk about my crotch. Let's talk about Reed Richards. <laughs> and and his crotch, the maker. Something else that stretches real long.
0: <laughs> you guys are taking this down such a weird road. <laughs> oh my god. Um all right. Let's let's jump into the ultimate stuff. Entertainment Weekly this week, 3 days ago in fact, put out an article uh, teasing the debut of something called Ultimate Invasion, we got some sweet Brian Hitch artwork uh, to tease this whole thing out. We see the Ultimate Invasion name on it. Uh, it does have that Ultimate style to it, uh, at least in the the phrase the the Ultimate word itself. Um, I'm not sure. I'm I'm assuming that's like a, a call back to the way the Ultimates used to have their Uh, Titles and then invasion of Marvel. They do invasions, Mm -hmm. Um, and then on one side you have, you know, the Ultimates, like the old Ultimates from Mark Miller and Brian Hitch's run, and then on the other side opposing them you have mainline Marvel characters, including Miles Morales, the Maker, and. The Illuminati, as in Reed Richards, Black Bolt, Iron Man, Namor, Dr. Strange. Hmm.
2: This image confused me for that reason. Uh, (laughs) The maker and Miles Morales being up front. I went, oh, that's clearly the ultimate half. Then I had to really look at the other half and I went, oh,
1: the the, the only (laughs) two vestiges of the ultimate universe that are left, honestly, yeah. Yeah, um, pretty much. I thought the a couple of things were surprising surprising me about the, this image. Um, Black Bolt, isn't he like dead canonically? Wasn't he in like Death of the Inhumans and like the the freaking Inhumans being harvested for their their body parts? And I thought he died in that. So it's it's been a while since we've seen good old uh, Black Agar there.
0: I can't recall the last time I saw Black Bolt. But yeah. I'm not sure which is status. a freaking shame, honestly. It is.
1: Yeah. Um, Also,
0: the ultimate side.
1: Did he not? Did something happen to to Wasp in uh, Ultimatum? If you guys,
0: Sean, did you read yeah, that? Yeah, of course. But aren't there several dead people on that? I mean, they're I all mean, dead. It's yeah, not yeah. even <laughs> yes. technically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But like, specifically, uh, like Ultimatum killed off. uh Did it kill off uh Giant Man too?
0: I don't remember. That was such a weird I just time. know that he
1: bites Blob's head off. Yeah. Which. Or, that'll ruin your oh, palate. Oh, that's right. I don't, yeah, because Blob ate, wa- uh, ate Wasp. Yeah. So Giant Man eats Blob, which weirdest tit for tat I've seen in comics.
0: All I remember is like, didn't Magneto get his neck broken? Like, No, he gets his, his neck?
1: whole face blasted off by Ultimate Cyclops, I think. Okay. And then Ultimate Cyclops just unceremoniously gets sniped at the end of the issue. <laughs> Beautiful. Um it's funny the the flooding uh uh location when you play Storm in Marvel Snap is actually from Ultimatum, which I thought was uh, hmm. a nice little nod there. But yeah, this is weird to see uh all these characters back on both sides really.
0: Yeah, I mean it's tough to say what that means. It's tough it's tough to know what this cuz the only real like preview art we have uh is this ultimate invasion reveal art from Brian Hitch, which I'm not sure how much we're supposed to take from this. I'm not I'm not fully sure yet. Uh, but outside of that we see a a a sequence between the maker and Miles. Mm-hmm. The maker goes to Miles's home or Man, whatever creepy. and they have a conversation. It's unlettered so we don't know what's in it. Um, we don't know what they're talking about, but that's
1: it's. Um, I like the Maker as a character, so like a Maker story, I'm I'm into. Um, I like yeah. how the Maker and <clears throat> Krakowin Era uh, Professor X are in the same book. That won't get confusing. Um,
2: I I have been positive that they're the same person for so long. Debunk. Well, not I know, not, not really. yet.
0: Um, yeah, I, I'm so look, we have to talk about the fact that the ultimate universe has been gone since secret wars, secret wars. Well, yeah, yeah, secret wars effectively ended all the different universes in the multiverse through the incursions, which were happening before that Hickman was spearheading all of this from his time on Avengers slash New Avengers all the way to Secret Wars. Now, of course, the way Secret Wars ends makes it entirely possible for any number of those universes to be back, potentially. Uh, although it's never explicitly stated that whenever Franklin and the Fantastic Four are charting you know, the universe... Or the multiverse rather, what it is specifically that they found or created. So we don't have the answers as to how the ultimate universe could return, but I do believe that the maker is the key. In the was it Kate's
1: Venom? There was a Venom run where the Ultimate Universe was revealed to still be around in some fashion. Um, hmm. Dylan travels to like this alternate universe where he like sees his like future self. Um, and it turns out it's the ultimate universe the whole time. Uh, but, like, none of the heroes are there anymore. So, like, there's been little hints here and there, but time for mm. some multiversal stuff. I like how it's Hickman, who who's the one who essentially killed off, you know, Dan Dose has a mercy killing, and there's a, a mercy killing to the ultimate universe. Um, and he's going to be the one to bring him back, so. Yeah, uh,
2: I, go ahead, kill. I like that, though. Like, yeah. if anything, like... Not that I I think this was like wholly premeditated, but it's a way that he can like, you know, it will feel a little bit more natural from
0: Secret Wars. Yeah. Um, I, I, I completely agree with that. Like, I think it's cool that he's getting this opportunity, although we don't quite know what it means. But look, Hickman... Hickman said this, um, and I, I thought that this, this was a really interesting point um, about why he told he said this to Entertainment Weekly, why he had to leave X-Men. Um, Marvel had, quote, an expectation for me to write bigger books that have a wider reach than regular monthly ongoing comics. Okay, so he said that. He also said that the ultimate invasion will involve, quote, a new way of thinking about and enjoying Marvel comics. What does that mean? Because if they're just resurrecting the ultimate comics line, that would not be a new way of thinking about or consuming Marvel comics.
2: That sounds like that um AI... 24 uh, 7 comics thing that's been floating around twitter th- this week well, a new that. a new way to experience comics oh that, what does that, that, that right. what does that mean well it's a new way to experience comics you know you won't just read them
1: yeah i i don't okay. know you, you sound like the marketing behind <laughs> behind that web three two four seven comics that got announced last week <laughs>
2: hey 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 my man I just said that. That's oh, what was he's that... talking
1: about. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I got distracted behind me. Um, I'm trying to see if if cat screeches can be seen on the microphone, but I think we're good.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I don't think this is a I don't think this is a uh, an integration of the universes. I've seen that floating Couldn't around. Be. Couldn't be. I have. Hmm. You know what it smells like to
1: me? It smells like a way to do the thing that I think they should have been doing since Iron Man 1, um, and that's pretty much make the Marvel MCU a comic. What if they morph the Ultimate Universe into something that more reflects the MCU? And that's that line
0: going forward. We literally talked about this yeah. like a month ago or two on the show.
1: Yeah, Yeah, about something that I think Marvel should do, you know?
0: That's uh that's what I hope it is. The fact that the ultimates line is the blueprint for the MCU and the fact that they continuously bring that up makes me think that there might be some credence to that. I just don't think that this is going to be a monthly, you know, pick this up type of situation i think that what we're looking at whether it's the mcu in comic form or the return of the ultimates line i think this is going to be each story is released in a trade Mm -hmm. a few a year and that's Mm -hmm. that's it like a spider-man family
1: business or a a rage of ultron right weren't those things that they did
0: yeah but more more committed a, a more structured committed it's a line just like black labels a line but it's it's um it's a universe it's a it's a shared universe i mean that more reflects like the, the
1: manga uh, uh release schedule which i think is something that the big two are sleeping on you know bring out these collections maybe in a smaller format too Like, play with the actual medium a bit. Um,
0: Because I think that that would sell. Well, that is a new way to think about and read Marvel Comics. There has never been a time in Marvel's history where you followed the story only in trade. Like, that's the only way to read it. It's only released as a quote-unquote graphic novel. Expanding upon that, would you
1: mind if it wasn't colored?
0: Yes, I wouldn't. I wouldn't read it. Mm, Okay. I think that superhero comics are too tied to the color of the yeah. of the costumes to remove them.
2: I think they would need to s-
0: specialize the the art for that,
2: um, and I don't think they would.
0: Well, you know, you just
2: well, you couldn't just do Brian Hitch without color. You know what sure. I mean? Like, yeah. they would have to get an artist who
1: you know looks good in black and white yeah it works who works flat i think black and white needs to be flat because color adds a lot of depth um, yeah. but that would just make it more possible if it was color you know colorless just the just a thought they really want to stick to that thing but yeah i think i think i think we're 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 right on the, that something's happening here something's percolating um if only if only they had an
0: editor-in-chief who really liked japanese stuff mm. well can't imagine <laughs> CB Sobolsky was at Comics Oop. Pro, <laughs> so we will have uh, some comments from him. But, um, yeah, focusing on this, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way they announced this. This isn't out until June, and so we don't need more information. Um, I appreciate the fact that we know what Hickman's doing next. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, we learned about like seven other events this week. (laughs) But this is what Marvel was holding for Comics Pro. So, I'm into it. This made me think again, though, about Hickman's decision to leave the X-Line. I now think that Jonathan Hickman really was going to end Krakoa this year or last year. Yeah, I think so. Because Hmm. if he was ready to take to the next phase and they didn't want to, so he had to leave and his next project wasn't due out until June of 2023. That must mean that he was going to leave the line at some point between then and now, either way. Hmm. So, if that's the case, then it was almost over. He likes to pretty much wrap a bow
1: around his stuff too, like his runs, like Fantastic Four.
0: <laughs> he never does. Uh, I <laughs> think so. never finishes his stuff.
1: Like Fantastic Four finished, you know, that, that yeah. kind of spawned into Secret Wars, and that was pretty much its finish. And then Fantastic Four were kind of written off the board. Um, yeah, Cheeker Warriors
0: wraps a neat bow around that. Sure, but then you look at Ultimates and uh, what's this? Uh, all right, yeah. uh, and obviously X Men, which is an entire line of comics.
1: So he's not con- he's not consistent to say one or the other, really, <laughs> on that part. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, this just sparked that thought for me that he was going to bring that stuff to a close. Dummy question because
1: um, I have not read a lot of Ultimates. So I'll be frank on that. Did yeah. he write Ultimates?
0: Yeah, uh, he did. He actually, he introduced, well, he reused the concept of Zorn, uh, the, the Zorn <laughs> with an X and Zorn yeah. with a Z, and they had two different like cultures that they had built and communities. They were going to war. It's very, very, very good, but you know it doesn't finish. About. He doesn't finish the story. I forget the name of the writer who took U- ultimate blue him. balls. Got it. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't finish. It's really, really good though. So uh, yeah. Ultimate comics, ultimates,
1: right? Which I, yeah. Okay. That was when the rebrand. miles got rebooted uh, as well as oh. the new Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah. in the, the, right. the throes of the, uh, the ultimate universe dying slowly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. I I really loved it. Uh, I I like I like the fact that Hickman clearly has an affinity for the Ultimate Universe, which gives me hope that he will do good things here. The Maker, the Maker must be Hickman's favorite. Like, I love character the Maker. That he created man. Marvel. He, one of the few characters that actually gets growth and, and change. You know, not created, but like you know, he, he really molded what we know to be the maker. He made the maker? Well, no, I don't think he made the maker. No, he, he didn't make the maker. Who made the maker? I think the maker... God, it's been so long. The maker evolved it's over time. Reed. So it would be like yeah. a made ultimate read, then.
1: This is weird, like, first... This is like right. key issue,
0: first appearance type shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that would have been Mark Millar,
0: right? did he do... I want to say he did Fantastic Four... And obviously, like, the maker story started there. So, you know, credit whoever you want. I associate the maker with Hickman. Ultimate Fantastic Four. Now. I don't know why, but I do. I think um, it makes
1: complete sense. That would be Bendis created Ultimate, Reed. Okay. Uh... But, um, Ultimate's Volume 2 was when the maker was made by Hickman. Oh, yeah. Hickman, I guess, made
0: the maker. Okay. Right. So there you go. The, I guess the the idea of the maker character. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. All right. I know I wasn't insane, but for some reason, this conversation is making me question everything. I think I know. Well, um, do you think the, the even the ultimate
1: universe makes sense anymore? No. Yes. You do?
2: Why? Uh, say that question again.
1: Does it make <laughs> sense? Does the ultimate universe make sense anymore for its original, uh, uh, I guess, uh, modus operandi, you know, that it was, you know, the separate non-continuity laden uh, universe that you can follow from the beginning because that's how it was marketed as right
2: yeah um
1: yes but
2: 20 years ago so um, no <laughs> I, well like i mean you know you can you can bring it forward you know you can do what you're doing but you're gonna have to make it work like it it can exist like i think you know uh but I don't uh, – I don't think the
1: old one that died will work. I see what you mean. Like if they, if there is a new Ultimate Universe with the same mission statement, that could work. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, because like I don't think the, the original – because the, the original Ultimate Universe is antiquated at this point. It was like that's, this dark –
2: just said that. Yeah. He, yeah. I hope exactly. it doesn't become yep. the depressing, cynical garbage that the Ultimate Universe became.
1: Yeah. It was, it was almost like an answer to like, oh, people who want, you know, grim, dark stuff, you know, going forward. But I don't yeah. think it works now. Well,
0: when, when Ultimate, when the Ultimates line was created, the mainline Marvel books weren't lighting people on fire. Yeah. And I think a lot of people probably would have said, comics fans at the time, You know, maybe Marvel was a little bit stale. Coming out of the 90s, there weren't that many great fresh ideas. It felt like things needed to uh, be updated. And the Ultimate Universe made sense for that. Because it was a fresh start with the hottest creators being able to essentially rewrite history. And chart history for characters who had already been around at that point for 30, 40, 50 years. So now you take that same idea and you apply it to 2023. Well, what's different? What's the same? I think that Marvel comics are not in a similar in terms of I don't I don't I wouldn't say it's stale per se. But I would say it's riskless. And it's very safe. The ultimate line wasn't safe. If you look at it from the context of that time, not if you look at it from now, hmm. because, you know, in the ultimate's line, Colossus was gay. Was he not? He- um, I believe he was, it was either him or beast. I-, I forget. Um, That's not something that you can do to mainline Colossus, but a character being gay is not shocking anymore. So if you had an ultimate's line and you changed a character's sexuality or their race or whatever to better fit the modern world it wouldn't it wouldn't have that same impact it wouldn't be like oh my god you never know what's going to happen next because we've seen everything we saw the time when they told us we don't know what's going to happen next and we saw what happened you know i don't feel like a new ultimate line is going to solve the problem that marvel has Unless it's different in release style, unless it's different in storytelling style, and unless it has specific architects, just like the Ultimates line did.
1: Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, they're going to get into the same exact issue that we're in the first point with the Ultimates exactly. line. Yeah. It becomes uh, bogged down with its own continuity. I um, mean, its own style, which was funny because then the main universe kind of took that style. You know, they even, you know, like the Iceman thing. They're like, well, we're going to add inclusivity with Iceman or um, the Nick Fury. Literally, they just retconned Nick Fury into the, into the main universe. So it was almost like a snake eating its tail. Like a, right. like an Ouroboros snake. Thanks. I see you there. there.
0: <laughs> they mined the ultimate line for everything that it had. Once they, look, at some point, mainline Marvel books caught fire. Whether you want to say it was during the Civil War, New Avengers, wherever you place that time as, at some point it caught fire. And as a reader of of Marvel at that time, you could almost see how the Ultimate Universe mattered less. Because what happened to all those top tier creators? Yep. Now you needed them for their big books. How many times did Rick Remender write for the Ultimates? What? How many times did a lot of those people write for those books? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it that stuff started to be deprioritized.
1: It, it became very quickly the Ultimate Spider-Man universe. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: They tried to freshen it up with the with the Ultimate Comics thing. That didn't help. And once they had to do that, once Marvel felt like they had to do that, that was the death of the Ultimate Universe. So I would I would be really curious, you know, we'll find out where this goes. This could easily not even be a resurrection or anything like that. This could just be an event. But if it's something more, which I, I, I truly believe it is, I would love to be able to ask Marvel, why is this why is it different now?
1: Hmm. When when this was first announced, I thought it was one of the – I'm like, oh, we already hit that part of the uh, Marvel nostalgia miniseries books that we're doing one based on the Ultimates. I was like, oh, all right. I, mean,
2: I You know, I'm I sitting here thinking like it's been 20 years since the original launch. You know, we're looking at a whole new generation of, yeah. you know, little 12-year-olds that need up an Ultimate Spider-Man the way I did, you know?
1: And, like, we're already getting, like, the, the Planet Hulk uh, nostalgia book. Uh, yeah, that's why yeah. I was like, oh, timeline-wise, like, I think we're, we're there. <laughs> Apparently we're ready for it, so. my, my <laughs> I, I do have a good question. Like, why do you think Ultimate Spider-Man was the only one that really worked there? I mean, yeah, they already mined what they could out of that for the main universe. So, like, I don't really see what else they can mine from the Ultimate Universe besides nostalgia. Um,
2: I, th- I think originally it was, it had that teen drama it really it really put a a a real tv style in the writing that focused you know really hard on peter parker's inner life as well as his external life you know it you know it uh, for me and i have to assume everyone else uh, it really helped you feel like Peter Parker And Peter Parker relates to me. And these are things that, you know, a teenager goes through, even if you're, you know, in the middle of Kansas. Well, you know, I can be Spider-Man, but so more of a lightning
1: in the bottle for the line really anything.
2: I think, I think it was the right thing at the right time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Kale said it right. Um, and, and to be honest, at a certain point, and it wasn't that far down the road, uh, but at a certain point, everything started to get really weird. And Ultimate Spider-Man still felt good. And then when Peter was gone, Miles, I mean, my God, <laughs> Miles Morales has to be, other than like the concept and like Nick Fury being Samuel Jackson and shit like that. Miles Morales has to be the most profitable thing to come from that line. Easy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like a second lightning in a the bottle there. Like Mendes right. kind of struck gold twice there.
0: Yeah. Because it was the only idea. Somehow, it was the only idea that was truly original in a line that was meant to be counter to the main line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they made changes to characters and alterations. But they didn't really do too much new, and Miles was that new. Well, I I also think he was that new
2: in a way that's like, you know, originally they did the unthinkable. They killed Peter Parker, you know? That was their time to like, no, this is it. We're doing it. And they committed to it for 10 minutes,
1: you know? Is that what you do for this new, like potential new ultimate universe? Is that like you make new characters? Maybe the same archetypes like yeah, this is Miles Morales as Spider-Man, but he's Miles Morales first and foremost. Do you make a Captain America <sighs> who's not Steve Rogers. Do you make an I, Iron Man who's I,
0: not Iron Man? I don't I don't think so. I really don't. To me, that was part of the problem with the Ultimate Universe. Was they started getting rid of people and then they would either not replace them or they would introduce some weird other version, like Wolverine's son, and like all this, <laughs> it just didn't. It just didn't.
1: emblematic of the issues of the Ultimate Universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thinking like like starting off there as opposed to building there. Like they had started off with Malice Morales. Well, then maybe it might have, might not have been it. It wouldn't have worked.
0: Yeah. It has to be the characters we love in a in Legacy. a fresh way. Yeah. yeah. It, it it has to start that way at the very least. Um, and then it has to grow, and it has to grow. It has to grow, but it can't get dark like, like it did before. Um, and it has to yeah. introduce new characters and fresh ideas. I, I don't think it would.
2: A twenty twenty three ultimate universe. I don't think would get that sort of dark.
1: No, it has I don't to be. think.
2: Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't foresee creators being
1: super interested in that i think it needs to be antithetical to the main line and the main line is kind of dark you know in, in ways you know for certain books
2: yeah but it's not line
0: wide dark the way sure. the ultimate universe seemed to be and we should say like that darkness we're talking about the ultimate universe was always edgier yeah, Look at Cap like it's a it's a very dark universe in general, but it was fun and it was fresh and it was exciting and they were telling cool stories. Once it got past that and it got into like, oh, yeah, uh, the wasp is was getting eaten by the blob I mean, and needles on a rampage because Quicksilver died or whatever that was like that was ju- it was just way too heavy. The, old, the, the X-Men were like being murdered and, and it was just, it was a yeah. lot of heavy stuff. Nothing offsetting. Them. Um, I think there's a way for this to be successful. I love that Marvel's doing something interesting. Wow. I guess, you know, time will tell, but yeah. nothing <laughs> that Jonathan Hickman has ever done, in my mind, has been uninteresting. Sure. Okay. Um so the blueprint is there. I don't think this story is what we even have to worry about. It's what happens after this story. That's going to tell the yeah. tale. Yeah. More so than what this will be. This will be a good book. What this is a springboard for really. Exactly. Yeah. Uh exactly. is it 3 or 4 How... issues? Uh I don't know. I think it's I think it's, it's relatively short from what I remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but I think if you read the 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 quotes that they have from Hickman and stuff, it's pretty clear that they wouldn't have come back for this if it wasn't something really special. So all we can do is stay tuned. Okay. How much choice, really? <laughs> So yeah, this will be out in June. And then we're gonna get our first look in May, actually, in the free comic book day uh issue that uh oh, okay. Marvel's gonna be putting out. So these pages that we talked about with Miles and the Maker are, I believe, from the uh free comic book day issue.
1: Hitch is getting Jeez. some work lately.
0: Like Sorry? doing the uh, least... Brian Hitch has been getting
1: work lately with the, the oh, timeless yeah. thing with Kang. This the the thing we're going to talk about in a, in a minute. Um, yeah, guy is becoming or rebecoming the guy again. So.
0: Yeah, and I guess I was—I don't want to say disappointed because I do love and respect Brian Hitch, um, but I wasn't immediately like overwhelmed with excitement that Hitch was attached.
2: I understand that. I understand that. He while he is like a uh uh an incredible artist, he's not he doesn't quite have the um bombastic uh blockbuster style
0: that we want today. Right. Yeah, like Brian Hitch felt Brian Hitch felt fresh at that time for sure, one hundred percent. To a lot of readers who were you know new or uh, not necessarily had explored that much, Brian Hitch might have that might have been their first time seeing Hitch on Ultimates. Certainly was mine. Yeah. So I kind of w- it would have been cool if it was Hickman and a new artist to represent. What the Ultimates will look like, but at the same time, it's probably best that it reflects the past. If this is a way they're going to move forward, I'm into this. I I like it. It's gonna be cool.
1: Yeah, and and Hitch was pretty much very different from like, you know, Perez at the time. Just yeah, different look.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Manny bringing up Miles's haircut, which is the internet has been having a field day with. Uh, (laughs) What? Yeah, it's uh it's not not good. It's not not the kind of cut that most um black teens with swagger would uh would have. Oh boy. Okay. As you bring that yeah. up, I am tired of any kind of
1: commentator just defaulting to swagger as a definition, a descriptor for for a black character. Yeah. I've seen it multiple times. Uh where did I see it most recently? Shit. Um I think somebody was playing Hogwarts Legacies. Oh, you could bring Swagger to this game. He's playing like a black. I'm like, guys, <laughs> guys,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. The one place that needs Swagger,
1: Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, Yo, I you hope you guys look pretty cool now, though. I gotta say,
0: I hope everyone knows that I was referencing uh, a review of the, uh, the IGN one, right? Miles Morales Spider-Man game. I don't know if it was oh, yeah. IGN. It was IGN. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep.
1: You know, I heard it again recently, and it annoyed the shit out of me, specifically. Um,
0: Yeah. Aaron Ruiz brings up the point of the day. What about the Valerio Schkidi work? Did Hitch replace him? I think that that is something that we don't know yet. I don't think that that project is related to this at all. I think that's something separate. I think it's very interesting. We saw work from that months ago. Haven't heard a peep since. And are getting this announcement first. Like this is more imminent than whatever that's gonna be, as far as we know.
1: Yeah. And Hickman has has juggled multiple big projects before too. So this isn't out of the realm of possibility for him to be doing these at the same time.
0: Especially if this is four issues. That's really not a long time. It's probably I, I, went, done searching,
1: already. I went searching for it in the entertainment weekly article and did not see any mention right. of that. I might have gotten confused with the night terrors one which we'll be talking about.
0: Yeah, um, I can't tell you guys how excited I am. This is going to be cool. But uh, there is a lot more to talk about other than the Ultimate Universe. Let us know if you're excited about this, what your familiarity is with the Ultimate Universe. Uh, wh- what do you want this to be? I just want to see the Illuminati, honestly.
1: You got them right there.
0: I want to see them make their their big return. Uh, which is happening. So lucky me. Um, do want to let you guys know how you can find and support the show. We are the Comics Pals on everything at the Comics Pals. Of course, that includes TikTok. I am now looking at the TikTok. So watch out.
2: <laughs> so Y'all best. Straighten up and fly right. because Dad's in the car.
1: I, I've, yeah. I've been I've been letting the uh, the TikTok comments, you know, it's a little a little bit of the wild west out there sometimes, you know, and you know I I try to respond positively uh, <laughs>
0: to messages. But uh,
1: now Sean Sean's like, out there nope. in the
0: trenches. Someone call you a yep. dummy, Sean? <laughs> Someone called me trash for they called me trash for Doom speaking about the Marvel universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe for clicks. copium from that dude. Like, yo, I am a huge MCU fan. You need to chill the fuck out. You know, like, what is going on with these people? Also, if it's on
1: TikTok, it's there for the clicks. Like, duh. Where the fuck else do I want it there?
0: Just to waste your time. You know, nothing better to do than to post TikToks all day. Or comment on TikToks all day. Right. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But um, Patreon.com slash thecomicspals is the absolute best way to to support the show for as little as $3 a month. You can support the pals and uh, get some cool content. We've got newsletters that go out every single week. uh, One a week from one of us. You get access to our Patreon-exclusive show, Palling Around. We just put one out this week, and it was a good time. We talked about, you know. uh, The the, the Discord helped uh, percolate some ideas for us. Yeah, yeah. We essentially talked about, you know, people being able to, you know, put aside what they personally want for the greater good. And, you know, we got it. It ran the gamut. We got into all types of things. Um, It was a really fun conversation. I think Marco brought up A I art again. Oh my god! That that was another Patreon Marco moment. Like I just can't with him. It's Patreon Marco moment. (laughs) Every time we sit down to do one of those, he gets into this weird jag where, like, he just has to argue whether it's logical or not. Was the what was the argument? Absolute nonsense. I was saying that in America, right? Don't give way too much. eh, It's fine in America. The entertainment industry leans left (laughs) that most of the stuff we see that's entertainment on television or, you know, whatever is left leaning. i have never and Marco argued with me for five minutes about that. Come on. That is what the palette around episodes are. It's Marco.
1: I like it because of that. It's fun. (laughs) Marco playing devil's advocate.
2: No devil's he's advocate. No, yeah, he's not playing devil's advocate. That's he not ain't what he's playing it is. at all. Marco he told, is he devil's said, advocate.
0: He said that Star Wars wasn't he's, necessarily a story about rebellion.
2: <laughs> he's not playing devil's advocate. He's the devil. Like, there's no advocate and there's no playing. My man is the devil.
1: Well, he's Al Pacino in The Devil's Advocate. No, don't 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 yes. compare Marco to a shitty movie. That's a fun movie, actually.
0: Listen, no, don't interrupt me. Don't compare Marco to to a legendary actor like Al Pacino. Al Pacino does not support AI art because Al Pacino is a real actor. Do you think that Al Pacino would support AI acting? No, he would not. I'm going to let that hang for a bit. He's more like,
2: what's her name? Elizabeth Hurley? where She plays the devil with Matthew Perry.
1: What's that movie?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I can't remember. It's, it's not like Monkey Bone, right? No, no, I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, yeah.
0: pair Marco. Yeah.
1: Well, that's with know. the Patreon. You can uh, watch, watch, uh, sign up, watch Pound Around. It's fun. Yeah,
2: y'all can y'all can imagine uh, Marco as Elizabeth Harley on your own yeah. time.
0: Yeah, bedazzled. Was That's what it is. Thank you, CW. Oh ooh, boy.
1: That's, That's a deep cut. Yep. Oh, it Brendan Fraser. Yeah. My bad. That's why I was thinking Monkey Bone, I think. I thought it was Brendan Fraser in that.
0: <laughs> oh man. Um, well, the other thing you can get, uh, there's a lot of things you can get. You can vote in our book clubs. We're gonna be recording the Strange Adventures book club uh this Tuesday. Um that's going to be a fun conversation. If you've got questions about that book, by the way, or thoughts that you want to express, it's a popular story, of course. Hopefully, you guys are choosing to read it for or reread it for this book club. If so, send us your questions or thoughts, and we'll definitely get them into the episode. The other thing you get is you get a shout out on the show and a, a, a nickname. So we're gonna we're gonna say thank you. We're gonna give thanks right now to uh, a few fine folks. Thank you to Thunderstruck Rebecca Alejandro, The Night Stalker, Harris Najinski, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Random Rocio, Kefis the Incorruptible, The Great Destroyer, Hyper Viper 89, Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcross Catherine Stars, The Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound, and joining the pals verse is none other than Dan the Truth Trudeau. Wow. Wow. Yes, indeed. Tyler, play the clapping noises now. Oh, I actually have one of You do? Uh oh, oh it's on
1: my it's on my it, it goes directly into my Warcraft soundboard. Never mind. It's not working. All right. But yeah. Oh,
2: I tried. Uh <laughs> it almost worked. Yeah, it's, it almost it's, worked. that line from Austin Powers. Bring out the crapper. <laughs>
0: So, Dan, the truth, Trudeau, has an extremely unique ability.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. The origins of this ability are not yet known, but Dan has the ability to speak the truth in all situations, all knowingly. And when he speaks, those around him Come to be aware of the objectivity, the truth of Dan Trudeau's words. Our Sean wishes he could have. <laughs> Yo, I really do. Wait, so what
1: is it? So, like, when he talks, it's like, uh, everyone's like, well, he's definitely not lying. He's definitely right. Or is it more, right. or is it more right. like, existential?
0: It's, it's, It's almost... I would say it's not mind control in any way because it's just not like that. But yeah, imagine someone telling you something so true that it makes you rethink everything you think you know about whatever the subject is, and it realigns you with reality. It's That's a reality be check. That's for sure. Like, I know.
2: <laughs> it's, like, it's like in the Bible when Saul becomes Paul. The truth is revealed to him and the, the scales fall from his eyes. Wait, Saul's Paul?
1: Yeah. Ah, I'm Saul. I'm Paul. New Testament. That was a good book. I got to say, New Testament, not as fun as Old Testament. Eh.
2: Well, listen, I mean, it's it's old ultimates versus new ultimates, you know? (laughs) Spider Man sacrifice in the middle lets us forget the old.
1: Ah, yeah, fair, fair. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, the new ultimate just gets real wonky at the end there, right? Right before the, the
2: right. The, yeah. That's the that's the time, sort of right after the crucifixion, when the disciples learn they can speak in tongues and all that. Yeah, yeah. are yeah. oh.
0: welcoming into the pals verse. Joel Justice. Joel oh, yeah. Yes, Joel Justice. Jo- By the way, I must I must say. This is the first time. Why am I so blurry? This is the first time. I was that, it was me. <laughs> unfortunately not. That a listener has submitted their own name. Oh. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Joel Justice is, frankly, obsessed with bringing justice to the Palsverse. Now, this is a universe a multiverse, that is in dire need of justice. The problem is that Joel Justice is so obsessed with justice that he'll get it at any to any means necessary. Uh,
1: he'll uh, do whatever real.
0: it takes. Peacemaker he's a real night stalker. They would clash. I think they'd clash. They probably would. They probably would, especially because Joel Justice has taken things so far that some people in the Palsverse consider him to be a villain. Yes. Ooh. Okay. Oh, we that haven't had a villain in a while. Got it. <laughs> gray area.
1: Oh, and uh, Dan, yeah, you can shoot. You can shoot stuff out of your fingers. You can shoot lasers out of your fingers, but they're specifically only lasers that like cats play with. They don't do any, do anything. So. Well, they're truth truth lasers. Sure.
0: Yeah. That's pretty sick. Uh, sure, I, I wish, wish I had, I had that. A, I wish I could. I wish I had truth. Lasers, if you will, that could go through the microphone and transmit through the internet, and that everyone would know the truth when I spoke. Isn't that just the plot of Wonder Woman eighty four? Yeah, actually. <laughs> I
1: see. It. Uh, which Dan is the first time I thought about film. that movie since it came out. Does <laughs> um, just Joel Justice? I feel like Joel Justice has like a like dual six shooters. You know.
0: I like that. It's fun, Joel, uh, Joel. Joel's a really nice guy. Thank you, Joel. Appreciate you. Um, but unfortunately, you got to get your act together, buddy. You're chasing that justice too much. We have big news about Thunderbolts. Ooh. Big, big news about Thunderbolts. Oops. Actor Stephen Yen? Yuen? Yun? Yoon? Okay, thank you. Steven Yoon has been cast in, quote, a key role. You guys will, of course, know Steven from The Walking Dead. That's what most people know him from. He's also the voice of Invincible. Um, oh, yeah. I believe. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh this is really interesting. Uh, because according to deadline, they're the ones that 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 broke this story. Uh quote. He's been cast in a way, in a part that is not only significant to this film, but could be a major role going forward in future films. There are so many characters that Stephen Young could be playing. But I think the key is that he's debuting in Thunderbolts. Yeah. That allows us to narrow the scope a lot, a lot first thought okay. there have been rumors for a long time that the century is going to be in thunderbolts could he be playing the century uh
1: he doesn't seem physically imposing enough for that you have to be okay. blonde no you know they could they can give him an old uh, platinum blonde haircut i think Yeah, that doesn't doesn't smell right to me.
0: Okay. Could he be playing Hyperion? No. Same answer. Okay. Not the blonde thing. Tyler's answer. All right. So he's probably not playing a hero then. What about a villain? I have thoughts on villain.
1: So when I think of Thunderbolts, sure, I think of, you know, there's going to be some kind of global crisis that the Thunderbolts have to, you know, be brought in for um but I also think you know with Thunderbolt Ross there who I believe will be con- is, is confirmed as the president now right he's
0: the president in captain america new world order yeah. so I think big wig
1: government shit um and to be important for the MCU going forward I think you got to be fantastic for X-Men related to go forward mm. um mm. I'm thinking Trask as like this tech guy who works for the government who maybe makes anti you know, superhero weaponry that the Thunderbolts can use, which then his profile just gets bigger and bigger until he creates Sentinels. Um, which I, I think Sentinels can be even used for things other than just mutants, really. Um, or I was talking to, talking to Matt about this, and he brought up Dario Agger as, you know, corporate big wig guy turns into the Minotaur, um, who I love uh, as a character. So uh, I like one of
0: those two answers. I really like the idea of Boulevard Trask. Uh, I think that's a character that you could do a lot with. Yeah. And if you're going to seed the Sentinels coming by introducing their creator, I think that's fantastic. Dario Agger, I thought that that's who Christian Bale was going to play Same. in Thor yeah. Love and Thunder. Honestly, I was really hoping. Might have worked better. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. Uh, It would have solved that movie's uh, uh, tonal issues. uh, Tonal issues. Thank you so much. Yeah, exactly. He can be goofy. Gore can't be goofy. Right. I like both of those. I think that they can definitely both work. I think if you're talking about a character who's going to be important, it's not going to be a hero. That's where my mind goes. Um, (laughs) Which is something. Just because. Like I don't know, the heroes just don't feel relevant anymore, and the well, the villains feel always one and done,
1: right? You know, well,
0: they're getting past that.
1: Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, we're seeing some of them in this Thunderbolts movie, you know, US Agent and Ghost, right?
0: So, yeah. I think this is perfect that he's joining the MCU. He's great. Yeah, this is an actor that I love, obviously, from The Walking Dead. Has a high profile, but hasn't done anything since The Walking Dead that and obviously Invincible um, that has elevated him even further. So I'm hoping that this is a role that he can really like do something cool with and, you know, build on, I guess. He got nominated for an award. That's not the same thing. There are lots of actors that get nominated for awards that aren't like, you know, the biggest deal in Hollywood. Um,
1: I think he was in Nope, which is real good last year. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that was a good spot for him. Uh, was it Minari that he he was in that was, got him the Oscar nomination last or two years ago? I'm
0: saying I feel like he can have a higher profile. In in terms of the pop culture? Yeah, yes. Being in a Marvel movie... We'll do that and we'll probably open the door to bigger things as well. And your wallet. Bigger wow. wallet there. Yeah. Yeah. one hundred percent Yeah.
1: Uh K-
2: Hethis wants to know if Ghost is out in the Thunderbolts.
0: Oh, uh, she's she still in the promotional part. So I didn't yeah, I didn't hear that. Yeah. yeah any other thoughts? Any other ideas? I see Rick Jones in the chat. I um uh, hot take. Man. I hate Rick Jones. I think he's just yeah.
1: dumb. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have any other any other reasoning for that. I just don't find him fun. Hulk doesn't need a Hulk doesn't need a Robin.
2: Well, I mean, not today, but he was made sixty years ago. Like, sure, come sure. off of it; it a different time. Jesus,
0: I, I ain't as old as three comics. God, <laughs> I will never say Rick Jones again on this podcast. I did not know that Tyler was just gonna. I prefer Rick Jones on- over
2: Rick
1: Jones.
0: Oh, is that what it was? Because I was saying that in my head, Rick
2: Jones, bitch. And it just, it just <laughs> flowed. So I thought that's what it was.
1: I'm Rick Jones,
0: bitch. <laughs> Rick Grayson. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, they are deep cuts, Snake. Um Yeah, I didn't know any of the names you guys, should, I mean, Bolivar, Trask, I guess, but not
1: um,
2: any of the other ones you guys threw up.
1: Do you think that, I mean... Remember when when uh, uh was it William Jackson Harper was announced for Quantumania? And we're like, ooh, what's this big role he's playing? And it was just quaz or quaz. I, I didn't
2: yeah, I didn't know he was uh announced for quantum mania. I think I heard that he was being considered for Reed.
0: I don't know who that is, but I have a difficult time believing that Marvel would cast Stephen Young for a role of that caliber, like that insignificant. As insignificant as the role of Quaz was in Ant-Man and the Wasp, yeah, because
2: yeah. William Jackson Harper. I mean, I think he's done a bit since The Good Place, but The Good Place is really only it. Stephen Yeun's been around for a minute
1: now. William Jackson Harper's only really done, I believe, like indie stuff. He was in Um Midsummer. Um, oh, was he? Yeah, but uh, like since then. Dark Water uh, twenty nineteen Dark Waters. Yeah, not not high profile. Fan favorite
2: though. Uh Manny says I would have said Johnny Storm if he was younger. I think he'd still pull it off.
0: Sure. Mm. Well, actually I don't even know how old he is. Even I can look that up. Thirty five. If he's thirty-five, I don't know. Johnny Storm. Well, it depends on when the fa- that's getting into a whole other territory, because it depends on when what what age born the Fantastic Four are gonna be and stuff like that. What did you it's, say? It's not impossible. He was born eighty
1: three. So that'll be thirty nine years. He's almost forty. Oh. Yeah. oh no, that's too old. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Damn, he looks good for a guy. He's almost forty. He looks like he's twenty. Like geez. <laughs> no, he doesn't. What's what, what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: You seen any twenty year olds lately, Tyler? I have a horrible with, skincare
2: routine, with so fucking cheekbones, like maybe he got
1: buckle fat removal. I don't know.
2: <laughs> oh Every, man, everybody, everybody must have uh, all that talk about Paul Rudd must have finally like, cracked him because he, at the end of Ant Man, he was looking old. He's he pushing was sixty; aggard, you yeah. can yeah. tell.
1: That's like that's like within the last year, Tom Cruise started looking like his age.
2: They Um, finally that that painting up in his attic must have finally uh,
1: (laughs) come down or something because.
0: How the mighty fall. Actually, I want to see fucking Tom Cruise in a Marvel
1: movie. Come on.
0: Give me that, dude. I genuinely thought they might make him superior Iron Man in Doctor Strange. Where are there like Photoshop leaks for it, too? Yeah. 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 I, I wasn't buying into that, but I just figured like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, but unfortunately
1: it didn't go that way I, don't, I think he hates Marvel movies though I think he's like it's not the movies you know he's the movie savior with you know Top Gun
2: I think I think a younger Tom Cruise we could have gotten
1: but yeah no yeah, he's very today. specific about what he does now and I don't think yeah, he, yeah. it'd be Let's, it'd be like it'd be a
2: rock situation
0: yeah I don't I don't even think Marvel would entertain that kind of thing. I just don't think so.
1: If Tom Cruise was like, "Hey, I want to be in one of the Marvel movies," what do you got for me? Marvel would say
0: no. No, I'm saying they wouldn't entertain it if he started to try to like do what The Rock did. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I don't think any any company really wants that
1: carny shit in their movies.
2: Yeah, I think I think Tom Cruise would have to like, for him to even want to do it, I think he would want to be in like a hundred percent control.
0: Right. Yeah, like whatever character he's going to play, he's going to, you know, dictate what can and can't happen to that character. And that just doesn't work for Marvel. Tom
1: Cruise as the Beyonder. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Wearing the outfit. That's not the worst thing I've ever heard. It's it's a one and done. Get Get a paycheck. Have him hamming up. Go nuts. Like what's his name? From
1: Thor Love and Thunder. Paycheck. But uh, here's the thing. I don't know if Christian Bale can ham it up. Tom Cruise can
0: ham it up. So but I have a feeling that Christian Bale needs the paycheck for some reason. Oh. You don't think so? Why why do Thor Love and Thunder? He clearly didn't like it. Like He needed a new boat. Maybe he's just a big Jason Aaron fan. I don't know. I don't think Tom Cruise is showing up for less than like the main character role or yeah. something like that. Yeah. He's got to be Captain America
2: or Batman or nothing.
1: <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I, I, think, still... I think Kevin Feige can convince him at the Beyonder. Uh, you know, that that's a character that's like, oh, you want to be the guy who controls the entire universe? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we do. I don't know. Maybe.
2: Somebody, uh, yeah, Dan brought up uh, uh, Tropic Thunder in the chat, and I say it was surprising to see him in a fat suit.
1: So
0: True. Yeah. That's fair. That's... More
1: surprising seeing Robert Downey Jr. in that movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, Well, let's shift gears. I'm sure we'll find out soon enough who he's going to be playing. It's snowing. It is? Yeah. Oh, nice! Can't wait to not go outside. Good impression of me. Oh, that was the reality of me. So, and also me. <laughs> yeah, that's oh. why. That's why we're three dudes in our homes, podcasting.
1: How many of you because wearing pants? Go by the anymore. way,
0: I am wearing pants. I'm also wearing pants. That's two of us. All right, next uh, topic, Sean. Well. Let's talk about professionalism, something that Tyler knows nothing about. I couldn't <laughs> even spell it. There you go. Well, everybody at this convention can maybe spell it. We're talking about Comics Pro. This is an annual convention that sees the publishers in the comics industry, Diamond, and all the other distributors and the retailers getting together to talk about the state of the industry, can expect. Uh, and basically, try to make retailers excited about what the publishers are doing.
1: <laughs> so they said,
0: oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, oh, Honestly, <laughs> retailers might like that. I'm sure they ate this presentation up, of course. There's a lot to talk about as it relates to Comics Pro. Uh, we're going to run through a lot of these announcements. One thing I wanted to mention is that this was the first time that all of the distributors, all five of them, all four of them, were together in the same space. All four of them. Uh, of course, Diamond, Lunar, who uh, has exclusive rights to publishing DC Comics, Oni, Scout, Vault. Penguin Random House, of course, publishes Marvel, Dark Horse, IDW, uh, and Universal. Uh, which does Canadian market books, so they publish DC in Canada and other comics in Canada. Nothing so, to do with like Universal, Universal, no man, no. come on with a different name, <laughs> there, guys. Come on, huh? Um, so the, they were all in attendance, which is pretty cool. Comics Pro has not been in person since COVID, so that's why that's the case. Mm. Sean, where um, was this? This one was in uh, Pittsburgh. Sorry about that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pittsburgh, PA. It's actually ongoing. It's happening now. It's probably happening as we speak. Interesting. We only have the information from Thursday and Friday, but there's a lot to chew on, so we will be getting into all that. And I hope if you're listening right now, it, like, this is the part where we're talking about, yeah, there's some events and stuff like that. That's all cool. This is getting into, like, deep comics industry stuff. I love all this. I think this stuff is super interesting. This is charting the course for our industry. Um, And you get to hear from the people who are in control of it themselves, what the problems are and where we're going. So in addition to all of the distributors being present, we also had the gamut of publishers being present. You had from the top Marvel DC comics had a presentation Uh, Image was there, boom All the major publishers Smaller ones like Wave Blue World Who we love, congrats to um, To uh, To them on publishing the Gatsby book That's going to be coming out uh, By our boy Yeah, our our friend uh, Jeremy uh, Jeremy Holt So that's going to be cool So everybody was there Basically Diamond looks like they might be cutting shipping costs by 40%. That is a massive number. Massive, massive number. Diamond has to do something to continue to compete. And that's a step in the right. So. Interesting.
1: I wonder how ingrained the other uh, distributors are now. What are we? Three years, almost three years in now. Um. I wonder if that's enough to be, for people to be like, "Well, maybe I'll go back to Diamond." Uh, I don't know. 40 is pretty big. Especially when a lot of, you know, things are running on paper-thin margins, that's and it almost seems too big. Like, how do they It must be the business.
0: <laughs> they've had to restructure a lot of things to make stuff work. Um, the industry has changed and they need to do this. Yeah. And on top of that, you can buy Marvel Comics through Diamond third party. So if they made that decision, then they would actually probably save on free costs. So could be good. Let's jump into the Marvel of it all. Editor-in-Chief C.B. Cebulski showed up at the Comics Pro event. Who? C.B. sibolsky He's not trying to burn bridges, Cal. bleeding cool <laughs> likened Sobol'ski's appearance to Biden visiting the Ukraine
1: oh oh that's a wait who they said yes. that verbatim I'll read the quote
2: uh Oops. did you guys hear uh Russia equated
0: that to uh big Papa Joe's coming to inspect the troops <laughs> uh CV Sobol'ski has made a surprise trip to the event to talk comic book retailers think biden going to ukraine just with fewer security concerns that is overly (laughs) dramatic guys i think it's just a joke i think rich is having a good time but um that's a major deal because the the person who's at the front of marvel needs to be seeing retailers but how often does C.P. Cebulski even have the time to make FaceTime with retailers? I'm sure it's a part of what he does, but to be here in that moment, in that space, that's major. So I'm glad that C.P. sibolsky went out there, made FaceTime with retailers and distributors, and got to answer questions and, you know, hopefully assuage some fears.
1: Which is funny because every New York Comic Con, we see him everywhere.
0: <laughs> right.
1: He's, like, ever-present. So, like, the idea of him, like, not being at a convention is, like, foreign to me.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, but imagine the amount of business conversations sure. that CB has to. Oh, have he's there. oh, he's on the move. That dude
1: moves fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen him. He's, he's, he's a the Hedgehog. He's like a tall dude, but he's
0: he's he's quick. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's worth pointing out that Ultimate Invasion was announced through Entertainment Weekly, but of course that was time to match Comics Pro, so they were able to you know talk about this announcement and what retailers can expect. Um, at the event so we got that we also learned about Contest of Chaos which is a Marvel event using the aforementioned Brian Hitch promotional artwork to tease a book that features a ton of different characters on it on the cover the promotional artwork um duking it out. You got Spider-Man and Wolverine going at it, Cyclops and Captain Marvel, Iron Man's in the fray with Storm, Ghost Rider, Human Torch, a whole bunch of people just throwing down. This is yet another summer event coming from Marvel that uh, promises to be absolute chaos that corrupts absolutely. That's the tagline. Absolute chaos corrupts absolutely.
1: That Two things for this. Um, mm-hmm. First, uh, uh, Spider-Man's costume is horrible. Um, yeah, <laughs> I hate that glowy friggin' emblem on him. Yeah, o- just, yeah, this orange
2: one is nasty.
1: Yeah, it's. I know Norman I like made the, the suit, and like, but the eyeball, like, no, it, the color doesn't. Color wise, it is does not. I like that.
2: The, I like the old green
1: glowy one. This one is a green glowy one,
2: isn't it? No, this this one's that new orange one.
1: Oh. that he's wearing. But, uh and uh uh, uh, dylan brock's venom suit is a choice um i'm not really (laughs) into it either um yeah but also like would it kill marvel to make new villains like why is it i'm tired of heroes fighting heroes honestly
2: yeah my first thought with this is it
0: it looks like magic civil war like Mm. no thank you The word contest being in here is interesting to me. Obviously, Marvel has a history with that word, uh, the contest of champions. So I'm assuming that this is some kind of a chaos magic explosion or something of that nature that causes the heroes to lose their minds and duke it out in some kind of contest set up by somebody. Maybe the Darkhold will make an appearance. Who knows? All I know is that I can't generate an ounce of care about this. Even some of the matchups
1: on the cover, it's like, Cyclops, I'm sorry, you're not doing anything to Captain Marvel. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just the cover, but still, the the nerd in me starts power leveling these people and like, yo, this is a dumb choice on your part.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's just staying and bland. And, you know, I think choosing Brian Hitch for this was not correct. Yeah, um, because it adds to that feeling of been there, done that. Mm. Um, it's just tough to get up for something like this at this point, especially with a packed summer. How many Marvel events are we getting this summer? Well, it also, the
2: the art suggests, I mean, you know, I mean, the art suggests that it could be tied with the, the ultimate announcement, too. But I don't think that's an unreasonable connection to make. Hmm.
1: I, I, and... I don't, I don't think there is a connection but they should have realized that there might be lines drawn because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think so either, but I I you know, I yeah. yeah. But also like if this is drawn by Russell Dodderman, I'd be like,
0: "Oh, I'm excited for this." You know what right. I mean? Like <laughs> Well, yeah. And it's and it's worth pointing out that like we don't know anything about this book. Creative team-wise, this could end up being this could end up having the greatest creative team on it of all time. But right now based on what we have to go on this is a hard pass. Marvel announced 3 events this week that I know of. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't even talk about Summer of Symbiotes, that doesn't talk about Fall of X. So that's oh, 5 fuck. events that that's- we know about. That's too much. Granted, the next one we're about to talk about is a Star Wars um which we know nothing about. We don't really even have a name for this one <laughs> it doesn't even have a name it just has a tagline quote first it comes for the metal I can't even imagine how that is a selling point how that is a tagline that's going to cause people to go to the comic book shop and say yeah I need to put that on my pull list I need to pre-order this come on the, the only thing this makes me think of
1: is two things uh Star Wars nerd coming out um could be Mandalorian related where they're going for Beskar and it's like them hunting Mandalorians down for Beskar armor, which is like a specific metal the Mandalorians have, or it's like some kind of a Nihilist wave type thing that like comes for ships and stuff. Right. Um, I don't know. This ties in all four major star Wars books, Dr. Aphra, Darth Vader, bounty hunters and star Wars. Um, you guys aren't reading any of this, right? No. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sure, I mean, I think timeline-wise too, we are between Empire and Return of the Jedi currently in the Star Wars comic. So,
0: okay, that's cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wow. Which I think is a that's fun a area long to be long in. Time. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fun area because it's. Uh, I think strangely Han is back, sort of, even though he's. In the Carbonite in Return of the Jedi. So I don't know how that works, but. Uh,
2: Shenron says metal.
1: Yo, Star Wars death metal? It's time. I I, I wish Uh, they would do something wacky with Star Wars, like multiversal stuff, honestly. It just seems so tied into having to fit the movie universe and, like, be in a a spot where it can't ruin what comes after it and it can't ruin what comes before it. Um, I wish they would just be in an area where they can just do whatever the hell they want.
0: That was why I had to stop reading Star Wars comics because Same. no matter how good it was like I thought Vader was awesome. I Dude, thought that was a really really cool event. Kieran Gillen's Vader stuff is his best IP work. Yes, yeah. I agree. That was that was when I like was like, "Oh, Kieran Gillen is legitimate." Yeah. Um but because the outcome of every single situation was defined by the fact that I've literally seen this movie um, nothing they can do can be that interesting, and I have to pass. I love Afra; I think Afra's phenomenal. Yep. Um, one of my favorite Star Wars characters, but I just, I just, I don't know. I'm tired of Star Wars. I think right now,
1: yeah. I need and, cool and now. also no Mandalorian ongoing that has its own story is dumb as hell to me. Yeah, I agree.
0: Although, I gotta imagine that's a corporate thing too
1: but I I, I I argue that the corporate keeps the Star Wars way too close to the best, which makes it constricted
0: i would I would say based on the last how long have they been doing Star Wars books the last eight years of Star Wars books, uh you're right. I'm sure they sell fine though of course they do Star Wars they don't need to do anything special um that was all we got from Marvel to this point from their comics pro time. Uh again, you know, more events, more of the same. Marvel hasn't done hasn't made a killer announcement other than the Ultimate Invasion thing in a while. Um I want to know about a new ongoing with a hot creative team. That's what I want to know about. They announced new Black Panther number 1 with E. Ewing writing it, but uh, like <laughs> That's not even a new announcement. We've known about that. Yeah. The design for the costume, though, I'll give it that. It's
1: interesting. Yeah. But Like, it wasn't even big enough to be on the show as a, as a theme. You know, like, it just, that was like a Friday at 5 p.m. announcement or something. So Exactly.
0: Because it's just not what Black Panther needs. But I digress. DC announced what we already knew was coming. The worst kept secret. The Night Terrors event. DC's been putting out this uh, this this chart, this map of this year's worth of DC stories under the oh, dawn yeah. of DC umbrella, and um, eagle-eyed readers were able to figure out that one of the books that was obscured, one of the titles that was obscured, is Night Terrors, especially when they, like, brightened it up. You could see it. So now we know that that's official. Uh, we're going to see... Heroes and villains in something that is being called the Nightmare Realm. Uh, Joshua Williamson will be writing this. He's going to be joined by Howard Porter, Gleam March, and more. Uh, this is going to kick off in July. I... About the book. Oh, yeah. sorry. Let me just get through this real yeah. quick. About the book, Williamson said, I love horror comics, and it's been a blast bringing the energy to Dawn of D.C., Night Terror showcases the horror side of our heroes as a brand new villain confronts them with their worst nightmares. It's a fun, horrific event that brings together all the heroes and villains of DC, along with some surprises.
1: This is my favorite area of the DC Universe. I love the magic side of the DC Universe. Um, this one having a focus on Deadman and Zatanna. And, and is that Wesley Wesley Dobbsandman in the background there? The Wesley Dodds, yeah. yeah. Well, it uh, could be. It could be. Um... The, the replacement one. Uh,
2: yeah, his sidekick,
1: uh, Rick Jones. Um, yeah, I, this, this is a gray area for me. I don't, I don't know, yeah, it. I don't, I don't um, know. but it's cool seeing him in it. Uh, I mean, also yeah, like the, yeah, the, the, the artist announced, I love Howard Porter. I'm in, I love Gilliam mm-hmm. March. Uh, my friend said Joker was really good. Um, so excited for that. Chris Bacalo announced as well as one of the artists, which interesting. Holy hell. When's the last time he's done, you know, one years. Work. Yeah over Um, 20 and Williamson getting to write the Trinity specifically like the Trinity was in dark crisis, but like they were kind of off doing their own thing. They never really got to be the Trinity. Um, Mm -hmm. Also interesting. So uh, this has this is the kind of event I like really different creative, you know, different art team that's, you know, outside of the norm for the mainline books Um, somewhere new and
0: a new villain. Uh, which is what I was complaining about with Contest of Chaos. (laughs) Yo, the Francesco Matina variants are incredible. Please tell me, Tyler, that you have those on screen. I don't because I don't like uh, Matina.
1: What? They've been shown to steal art pretty. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like there's like a lot of like very clear evidence of swiping. Okay, yeah. Uh, let me All let right. me let me double check that but I'm pretty sure.
0: Well, while he double checks, I'm gonna gush because the the uh the one with Superman on it being enveloped in this fire, staring at this gargantuan demonic villain looks really cool, and the one with Wonder Woman looking at this Medusa-esque Maev from World of Warcraft looking character. These are just awesome, but I I hope what Tyler's saying is wrong. But uh, yeah, I've seen
1: I've about. seen at least two instances of it being accused of a Walt, Walter O'Neill accused him of swiping his Punisher, which it looks like tracing over to get body like body stuff right, and then redoing it. But it's mm-hmm. still still pretty pretty evident. Alex Garner also accused him of it.
0: All right, uh, well. Which the, song, it's not what you I,
1: like. I was I was a Matina fan. I was like, oh, this guy doesn't. It, it was like um, uh, a, the DC's Delato.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. We're getting a free comic book day special edition of Night Terrors on May 6th. That's where we will see um, uh, Chris Piccolo join them. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, look, I, I don't want to say I have event fatigue because that sounds weird coming out of my mouth but I have a I have a fatigue for events that are just filler you know I I I just it's it's hard I've been reading comics for a long time it's hard to see a book and know that it's just going to be another event where something sort of significant will happen but not really and it's all going to be irrelevant in a few weeks another Empire for you I hope it's better than that. I love Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter. Uh, I think this can be something if they do it right. Um, but ultimately, when you talk about impact, I feel like nothing has impact.
2: That's what Kethis says. He uh, uh he he dipped quick. Uh, you said night terrors, and he said oh hard pass. Yeah, <laughs> he said uh, he hates. Oh, we're in a nightmare stories.
0: We all know there's no consequences, right? Yeah, it's it's frustrating, you know. Yeah.
2: I think especially because like you know you have Superman on this main cover here, and he's supposed to be weak to magic, right? Like, mm-hmm.
0: you know, he's gonna walk out of there unscathed. And and I honestly am over the whole like. Gimmick stuff. DC's been doing a lot of gimmicks lately. Um, I feel like the you yeah, had the magic gimmick event, and then now this is a nightmare gimmick event. You know, what's next?
1: It doesn't yeah, it sounds like you got event fatigue, Sean. I <laughs> know so you say you don't want to
0: say yeah. it, but it my, my I'm diagnosing you. Coming over to this side of the couch. <laughs> Look, if 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 the event is good, right, then it's all good. You yeah. know? But As a premise, I'm tired of but magic. The Trinity but nightmare. The Trinity, but they're enemies. The Trinity, but they're young. Like it's enough already. You know? I wanna know what what's the forward momentum storyline. Like what's going on with Amanda Waller? What what is all what's all with that? I wanna see that. So I wonder if it was the Trinity, but they're in Captain Carrot's world, so they all get turned
1: to animals. It's a fun little story. I wanna see what animal wonder
0: woman would be cheetah as a joke <laughs> oh remember that one book where they were all dinosaurs oh, oh yeah, and then remember one. that other book where they were Max? oh that one looked good the
1: dinosaur one looked good yeah, give, me my, awesome. give me my lucha libre dc book that's what i want been there been there done that was there there you go
0: i feel like
2: it was fairly recently yeah
0: Nothing new under the Sun of the Big Two. Yeah, because they won't All allow it. Where it's are we talking? A, yeah, go ahead. It's
2: also just like you have a whole universe of characters. Like with Joshua Joshua Williamson, like
0: Deadman could lead this event.
2: Constantine oh, could
0: lead this I, event. I'm I am sorry. Dead man is actually the primary hero helping the big the, the Trinity. In this event. I i guess my point
2: is. We don't need the Trinity. Like. Sure. There are other characters. That are better characters. There are more interesting
0: characters. That will fit in this. So much better. I yeah. Be my hope is that. The Trinity is how they're selling the book. And that it will look more like. What you're suggesting Kale. That's my hope. Same. Yeah. If only, if only we had a
1: Superman esque character that can deal with magic now, huh? It's not like they just
0: did that to Power Girl or anything. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if she makes an appearance here. I hope she yeah. does. Yeah. but it, it has a tan in it, so I'm interested. Well, I about should, yeah, of it, course, I'm a simple. Man. It should have, it should have Nightwing on the cover. Man,
1: I, I'm with you, Sean. I want, like, no offense to Bruce, but like. Nightwing should be the Batman
0: of the Justice League now. He's the leader of the main superhero team in D.C. you got to put him on stuff. How am I supposed to buy it if every cover I look at has Batman on it? Yep. You can't replace the Justice League if these characters are sequestered outside of their own book. And they know that. You have to try. You have to give these characters a chance but we're going to talk more about that when we get into the Dan Didio interview. That's how we're closing out the show. Um Boom uh, Studios, sorry. We we do, we do, we didn't interview Dan Didio. No, 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 no. <laughs> we <laughs> like don't to. have that to look forward to or anything. <laughs> this would be a different show if Dan Didio was going to be on it, trust me. Yeah. Um yeah. So Boom Studios had the most significant presentation in terms of announcements and things that affect the industry. To this point, Boom announced that they were slashing the variant cover numbers by 15%. If you are a person who loves comics but doesn't dabble much in knowing about the industry, then let me tell you that variant covers are one of the biggest problems and plagues that the industry faces. Retailers went to this event with variant covers on their mind heavily as something that needed to be discussed because it's a problem. We're going to talk about that a lot within the next few minutes, starting, though, with Boom. They are reducing the amount of variants by 15%. They pointed out when they were making their uh, speech at Comics Pro that um, the big four publishers increased their output every year for the last three years by a lot. The reason why that's a problem is because the amount of comic books that sell includes variant covers. So let's say, for example, you have something is killing the children. I'm just, I picked a random book I thought of. If something is killing the children has four variants, right? And you have to order, mind you, mostly you're getting cover A and Bs, mostly. If you want better variants, you have to order more copies. So retailers get sucked into ordering more than they need, more than their store needs to get the special book. So here's how the scam works. They sell you a book you know, us on the consumer end, $4, right? And you have to buy XML. And you know that you might not be able to sell all of the ones you buy, but you really want that incentive cover D because it's by In Lee and you know it'll sell. So you over-purchase the book to get those variants because you know that selling the In Hyuk Lee variant for $100 will offset the ones you bought That won't sell. And then what happens? Now you're stuck with product. You can't move. So returnability becomes a problem. And that's why so many retailers want returnability because they want to be able to return something that's killing the children they didn't sell back to boom and get their money back. That's what's going on.
1: I love this great use of resources here.
0: (laughs) It's a crazy archaic industry that we have. Yeah, it really is.
1: Even like the, so, the the book yeah. industry doesn't have to deal with this,
0: from what I know. Like, there's no book variants. You know, they don't need them because yeah. the problem that we have is, ugh, man, we have an industry that is propped up on on the sale of variants. It's yeah. not dissimilar to what happened in the '90s, and it might be a bubble that bursts again, but. Dan Didio had so much to say about that, and he said it so amazingly that okay. I really want to table that until we get to it. Boom talked about uh wanting to offer more returnability on their books. Not all books are returnable at the same rates across publishers. Every publisher has a different model when it comes to what is returnable. Um. So, Boom is extending their returnability, and they're going to be hosting mini-comics pros every month for retailers virtually. So, good news on hmm. that front. Interesting. Yeah. They made a several announcements. Christopher Cantwell and German Garcia's Breyer is now ongoing. That's been a big hit for them, so oh, it's no okay. surprise. Cool. Um, Sorry, did you say something there, Tyler?
1: No, I said that was cool. We had yep. good, good uh, buzz about that on the Discord when, when it came out.
0: I didn't, I didn't. I don't think I checked it out. So maybe I'll have to give it a read now. Uh, Berserker and R.L. Stein's stuff of nightmares are coming back. We will be getting more of those. Mm. Berserker, of course, is the Ke- Keanu Reeves book um, that has done amazingly. So they're going to do more. That's cool. The R. L. Stein book I'm interested in. It's called Stuff of Nightmares and it's uh it's uh Rl Stein's adult horror stories, basically.
2: I got the I got the first issue of that. Um I haven't read it, but I've been very excited about it. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> want to check that out. Maybe not very excited about it if I was very <laughs> yeah, excited about it, but it.
0: I yet, but... <laughs> I, I, had,
2: I was excited enough to go buy it.
0: Which is a right. lot for you. Which is a lot, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I relate to that so much. (laughs) (laughs) They also announced a new book, which is called The Neighbors. It's a five-issue limited series. Who knows if that'll change? Given what we just discussed, they might say, hey, this is a a success. Let's do more. We don't have as big a names on it, though. It's being written by Jude Ellison S. Doyle, who's notable for Maw, not a book I'm familiar with, and Letizia... Padonichi from House of Slaughter with colors by Alessandro Santoro. Um, it looks interesting. It's a horror book uh, where, you know, a family moves into a town and they've got some really creepy neighbors who are obsessed with the children of this family that just moved into town. So that actually sounds up my alley.
1: Boom Boom is really good at uh, kind of quartering this kind of YA comic market, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see Marvel or DC or really have an image trying to trying to tackle that. I mean, what? Something, Killing, Something is Killing Children. Did Was that this week that the Netflix show got announced as well? Yeah. Yeah, that was this week. Yeah. yeah. That's huge. Yeah. By the guys who did Dark and 1899 from Netflix. Right. Yeah. Which. Massive. Big. Which I guess times Massive. up with their, their Comics Pro announcements. Mm-hmm. Gradually.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um... K. O'Hearn says Berserker sold well. I heard its numbers drop through the floor after number one. Uh I mean, I'm not a re if that were true. I don't think that uh Boom would be touting its return. So I don't know. I mean, Keanu Reeves could be bankrolling the whole thing. Yeah. Who knows? All I know is that it had an enormous launch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or they could be bankrolling it off the launch of the that number one.
1: Right. And also like traditionally. Drop off after number ones is huge, so yeah,
0: yeah, yeah that's not Nothing a weird thing is. at all, especially because the launch of that was you know, the Kickstarter was such a huge upfront launch, it's almost not even fair to judge it against that because of how huge mm-hmm. that was. Um, comics just don't, no comic sustains yeah. its popularity. Um, beyond issue one, there's always a drop off, so. They also made uh, "Damn the Mall" ongoing by Seisberry and Charlie Adlard. So, um, oh, yeah. boom on a I roll. Indeed, I downloaded the first issue. I never got. I haven't gone to it yet. I didn't read that either. Yeah, it was Charlie Adlard's
1: first ongoing since Walking Dead.
0: Cy Spurrier, man, I just can't.
1: It'll have words, that's for sure. He's a
2: lot. His indie stuff is tends to be a little. Um, uh less
1: wordy it's strangely more accessible yeah
2: yeah it doesn't f- wholly feel like he's bending over backwards to make something make sense hmm.
0: image had a little bit of a of a presence um they did put out a couple of announcements again this is what we know as of Saturday morning the massive verse is getting an event called the catalyst war that's going to start in radiant black number 25 uh they're touting this as quote everything has been leading to this moment so i don't know if this is like the big event that everything has been kind of going towards or if this is just a step in that direction um i don't i don't read the massive books and this is not enough to get me to come back. Not a massive fan? No. Yeah. From what I can tell, though, like, there is buzz around this
1: book. And people do seem to enjoy this. 100%. Uh, I agree. Yeah, it's, ev- it's not for me, but yeah.
2: Even Yeah, even in the Discord, like, I've not heard a ton about Radiant Black, but the other books, um, in, uh, 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 not Inferno Girl, Girl Red, but the other one. um Spirit guy no that's not yeah uh, anyway yeah i know what like, you're talking about yeah people like it
0: so, yeah something there there the the massive verse has fans it's just that for whatever reason on this podcast we just it just not didn't us. connect with us yeah. yeah um but yeah this is this is big news in that regard uh but they also announced a new robert kirkman joint which is enormous. Uh, Robert. Son. Thank you, man. Sorry? It was Rogue Sun. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they so Robert Kirkman's gonna be working on a book with Lorenzo De Felici. Of course, they did Void Song together. Or I'm sorry. Oh. Void Rivals is the book they're doing. Oblivion Song is the book that they did.
1: Yeah, I knew I recognized the artist's name. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah. <laughs> Turkman said this in Void Rivals. War rages around the sacred ring, where the last remnants of two worlds have collapsed around a black hole in a never-ending war. However, when pilot Derek and his rival Solila both crash on a desolate planet, these two enemies must find a way to escape together. But are they alone on this strange planet? And what dark forces await that threaten the entire universe? God is Turkman writing an enemies to lovers book, probably. It's worth pointing out, this is a shared universe. So he's starting a universe with this. Is it shared with shared. the Oblivion song? Yeah, shared with what? Don't know. Huh. We don't know that yet. Better not see a zombie. There is, they are promising a, uh, a a surprise that we won't know until we actually have the issue in our hands. It's invincible, isn't it? <laughs>
2: I was gonna say uh Radiant Black. Crossover with Radiant Black? Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Hmm. I could see that. Dipping his toe into uh into that. Universe. Hey, they're they're going whole hog into the Radiant universe. So Yeah. Even like uh what was it? Um uh uh uh, uh Higgins's previous image book, uh it was like the Department of the Bureau or something, was like retroactively made part of the Massiverse. Mm. How? Cow, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh really? Yep. Weird. Well, right. I don't I like that, that one bit. Yeah. I don't weird. like that one bit.
3: Huh.
0: I like the hustle. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about Robert Kirkman number ones that like I just feel like I have to get it. Whether or not I'm gonna continue is 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 always like I'd never continue actually. I've never ever continued (laughs) but i like oblivion song which i really liked i think i only got through nine um or something like that and then i stopped firepower Mm -hmm. i went and got the hardcover and i didn't even try it
1: Um, which which is wild because chris somni is like one of my top artists of all time yeah
2: Um, yeah i always i always want to Get into firepower because it seems like everything I would like, yeah. And I just, I just don't.
1: <laughs> the um, the only one that I ever stuck with was uh, Outcast. I enjoyed Outcast. Mm. But to be fair, that was I- the one that was like right after The Walking Dead, so like maybe the momentum carried over for me.
0: I tried that, and I just I couldn't do it. I tried. Uh, was that Kirkman the uh, the character who is? But kind of like Spawnish, that has a symbiote esque suit. No, that hates? Not that character. Uh, not, not that Spawn-like. <laughs> yeah, <character. laughs> not that Spawn clone. I can't remember the name of the character. The problem the is chat if you can.
1: Help all the out. Spawn characters are also Spawn clones, so like it's too much in there.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, essentially. Well, comics pro's not over. So if there is any other information that comes out of it that's pertinent, we will definitely be sharing that with you guys. Uh, I love looking at this event because it is a ability to peer into what the industry is thinking and feeling. Um, I brought up variant covers. That's a huge thing on their minds. Um, and I think recovering from COVID is still a thing that's on their minds. It's worth pointing out that 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 report of Marvel and DC and Boom and Image increasing their books coming out uh, over the last three years, some amount of that happened post-COVID. Think about the fact that we're still, remember the 5G files, we're still seeing stuff from that time, releasing now. That was 2020.
1: John, is this invite only, or can anyone go?
0: That I don't know. I think you have to be. I think you have to be a pro to, like I don't think the panels and things like that are for lay people. I think you have to either be a distributor or, a, yeah, no civilians hmm. allowed. Got it.
2: Yeah, Aho says they have uh,
0: two friends at the conference. It's wild. Yeah.
2: Nice. I can't. I can't believe somebody knows somebody.
0: <laughs> hey, I wish don't you know, know someone, anybody. man.
1: You're going to be leaving the Damn. house
0: next week, Kale.
1: That's so good for you.
0: Oh God! <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Kale and Marco are going to hang out. Yeah, gonna be a gonna be a nightmare. That's why
1: Marco's not here, guys. He's he's got something going on, but he will be uh, making his way across the pond soon. Indeed.
2: He's not going to. We're not going to pod together. or Anything though? No, I don't think we're going to make you. That wouldn't be the first time. <laughs>
0: Alright, so let's let's get into the the, the nitty gritty here. Um, Dan Didio is a man who really is one of the most important people to ever work in comics. I'm not saying that in a reflection of quality or a statement on quality of Dan Didio's work or anything like that. I'm saying that Dan Didio made his mark in the comics industry, whether you like what he did or you didn't. Uh, I believe 18 years as, yeah, 18 years uh, as a member of DC, um, vice president of editorial, all the way to the top as a co-publisher. So Dan Didio worked at DC on every level there is. Of course, his tenure at DC ended rather unceremoniously because from what we know, as we discussed many times in the 5G files, Dan Didio had a specific vision for where DC needed to go to thrive. And that vision involved radically changing the mainline continuity, eliminating Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent completely from mainline continuity and replacing the Trinity with the characters who we now see having passed the mantle down, uh, like Jace Fox and uh, Yada Floor and John Kent. That would have become the new Trinity. Dan Didio's been sort of silent on the interview front since 2020, but he has been working. He's got a new publishing company with Frank Miller, Frank Miller Presents. He's the publisher of that, and he's writing stories there as well oh did he was gonna be writing for frank miller press yes uh he has a book called shoot uh i'll, I'll find the name but, but yeah 100
1: I, I gotta shout out the frank miller press logo though it's just frank miller's fedora with like sin city rain on it i love it
0: yeah, yeah. it's so funny it's so funny um dan had a lot to say He had a lot to say in a phenomenal interview with the comics journal by Zach Robbie Roth. If this is the kind of thing that you're into, I highly encourage you to check out this interview because there was a lot of great stuff in here. Dan, you know, he knows comics. He was in the, he's been in the industry for a long time. He had a lot to say. Um, I want to start with what Dan had to say about variant covers, because this is again, Probably the biggest issue that the comics industry faces right now outside of readership outright. So Dan was asked by Zach. You mentioned variant covers earlier, and I'm curious what your feeling on them in general is. One thing I've heard from retailers when I talk to them is that a lot of them are panicked about the state of variants and what they mean for the industry. And they're worried that they're fueling a sales bubble that can't possibly sustain itself. Dan said, indeed, and I agree with that. I've been hearing that for years. And I think they might actually be at that final tipping point now because the word I hear is that the books are approved with variant covers in mind. It's not even variant covers as an accelerant for sales. It's now part of the equation for the profitability of a product, which means that's a really dangerous trap. So what Dan is saying is similar to what I was explaining earlier in that when something is killing the children is being sold to retailers, Boom is saying, we're expecting to make a certain amount of money on this based on the fact that we're selling these variants and based on the fact that speculators will buy this because they think it will go up. So if something is killing the children, sells 100,000 copies, but half of those, that is a made-up number, but half of those are variants and some amount of that is multiple purchases because that's what people do, how many people are actually reading Something is Killing the Children? It inflates the
1: numbers. Exactly. Yeah. But like part of me was like, why? Why do they even care? As long as they're getting the money, what do they care about actually having appropriate data?
2: Well, for? then why not just put out you know pretty pictures? Why not just become an art company? You know, yeah,
0: true. Yeah, Dan actually, I think answers that easier to plan when you understand what you're really working for rather than what you're sort of pretend selling for the moment you know and all the people that are building on variants their answer now is to add more covers which is the complete opposite direction the ship is upside down you don't go to the top because the top's underwater that's the exact problem (laughs) that is the exact problem if variant if selling more variants is your answer to selling more comics what happens when people realize oh there's no money in these variants and those people stop buying if you remove the speculators from the equation how many people are really really buying this book how many copies of something is killing the children is boom trying to return
1: yeah it's uh, I wonder in a strange way uh, digital comics might be a better uh, indicator of how many people are buying comics because variants don't exist there. You know people are getting the book to get the book, but they it's don't even really
0: to, put that out. You know, it's one to one in the digital space. Yeah, but that wouldn't encompass the sure. Whole yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, like just for digital, like we know people buying digital comics are the readers of the digital comic.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Um so yeah, D- Dan just in my opinion at this point completely on the money. Um and it goes on. Question, did you feel like that was a trap that DC was falling to falling into by the end? Answer, yeah, that's because they're profit driven on a quarterly basis. You had to hit a number and that was easy to fix on. You know, you mortgage your future on something for the moment and you keep on mortgaging it because ultimately you have to deliver. One of my favorite questions people always ask me is, why did you follow up 52 with another weekly series? And I said, because 52 was successful. That is fascinating to me, coupled with what Dan's about to say. This is the scorched earth comment in my mind. About the problem that DC has. And that Marvel has to have as well. That they can never escape. Question. Was that your choice? Or was that pressure from the higher ups? Answer. That's a number pressure from the higher ups. Because the other bad thing about corporate success. Was it was a double edged sword. Nobody believed. Comics were successful. Inside the business. The DC uh, Warner. Uh, that's me adding that. Quote, so what we did was we proved it was successful. Then once you prove it successful, it's like a gangster movie. It's like, fuck you, pay me. Every chance you get. You made your number? Great. Fuck you, pay me. And that's what you've got to do. So all of a sudden you brought the spotlight on yourself and because of that, you had to keep paying. Yeah, that's,
1: yeah. This is an issue with just God, I ain't be that guy again but this is this capitalism again it, it, it's never-ending growth until something breaks and if it breaks oh it's your fault it broke not the model's fault
2: well it makes sense that you know they would make so much so many cuts too over the years to try and hit that profit you know
0: mm-hmm Right. They're doing anything and everything they possibly can to hit that mark. I removed the quote, but Dan also talked about how this was easy. It was easier to make comics at D.C. before they had the the, the office space in Burbank, because at that point, D.C. was or Warner was on to them. Warner's eyes were all over them. Uh. So if it was tough when they made the 52 and then were forced to make another one, how many eyes were on them when they moved to California? What was the other one? Was it uh Batman Eternal? Well, it was a Countdown. It was after I believe was after Fifty Two. Is that not correct? Oh, I'm thinking New Fifty Two. Sorry, sorry.
1: Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah.
0: And then it was Brightest Day. After that, yeah, okay. Right, and they kept doing it because it sold until people I was one, were tired of it. Yeah, I was one buying it. You know, me too. Yeah. I bought all of the uh Batman Eternals, but. It's crazy how because it worked, they had to write it until it didn't work. Yep. Dan also talked about the fact that, you know, in his mind, he had a rule where only 30% and no more of the line could be Batman comics. Because once they, if they were to push only. past that, <laughs> it would innate people who don't want to read Batman books. And it would. Eventually, dwindle the audience, which is something that Dan talked a lot about in this interview. Was the dwindling audience and why that's happening.
1: So he had a mandate, not thirty
0: percent. Has it grown since he's left? I do not know that. Okay, but that was Dan's mandate at that time. Yeah, Um, thirty percent is so much. It's high. It's high. I didn't even third of the line. I wouldn't even think it would be that high. But when Um, you encompass everything, sure. Sure. I mean, especially if you count, like, that family, forget about it. Well, think about how Solicits came out. You know, it it used to come out, like, here are
1: the bat books that got announced, you know, coming out for Solicits. And then it would be, like, here are the Justice League books, which would, like, include Superman and Wonder Woman. Like, they they were, like, in the Justice League area. And then it was, like, here's Swamp Thing and Justice League Dark. So, yeah, memory serves that correctly. Yep.
0: Yeah um it's 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 unbelievable so on the subject of the dwindling audience for comics dan didio was asked to return to the question of comics audience in general is there a concern that the market is just slipping away from readers of any stripe answer i believe this is this what i'm about to read to you is the most damning comment and the most uh, dread-inspiring comment I have ever read about comics. Quote, I believe we lost one to two generations of comics fans. I mean that what well, whatever we were doing at that moment wasn't attractive to people looking for something to buy, some sort of entertainment, and I think that's when you saw this generation gravitating towards manga. And rather than oh. understand what that audience was wow. doing, we doubled down on the audience that we had.
1: Wow. We've been saying that forever, that the, the the comics is too invested in the old
0: guard. It and gets better, but yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so that would mean like our generation. He's saying like our generation is the last one.
0: I would say our generation is arguably considered a lost generation. Because like, I guess
1: we'd be outliers, yeah. yeah, yeah. Most people my age are manga people, right? Well, yeah, yep.
2: so so our age and maybe even the one before, given the um, um.
0: The the collapse, you know. So, right, like what happened to would be comics fans who never even got involved because the industry was in such shit shape?
1: Yeah, yeah. For for context, we're in our thirties. Just for listeners right now I'm, I'm just bad with people as opposed to Stephen yoon who i thought was 20
2: yeah but like i mean people like um you know uh, atomic hound in the audience you know who's stuck through Cooper. yeah you've probably seen the collapse like um who knows how many of them uh you know uh, of atomic hounds they lost
1: Wow, that, that reminds me of that uh, that Buster Scruggs uh, uh, James Franco meme when they're in the gallows. Like, oh, first time,
0: first yeah. time. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> "Quote: I used to joke, which is not a joke anymore, when I first got to DC about sales on a number of books and price increases. And the simple math was that a book at two ninety nine selling forty thousand copies." turned the same profit that a book at $7.99 did at 25,000 copies, and a $15 book did at 10,000 copies. But the 10,000 copy book had a hardcover. You had beautiful paper. It didn't have to hit a schedule. Everybody said, let's make more of those. And I said, here's the problem. I make more of those 10,000. I lose 5,000 people thousand readers goes to 35 25 20 10 5 we're out of business and the answer becomes well let's just raise the price and i said great we're going to create a one thousand dollar comic for one thousand people and that'll be our entire audience at the end of the day and i think that's where we're heading now
2: Damn. Damn.
0: yeah so his response
1: was let me team up with frank miller (laughs)
0: But the but reaction—that's why I felt we had to talk about this. Yeah, because he's saying the quiet part loud. Yeah. Well, he's not. He's a, he has no restrictions now. He
1: has no right. We we
0: fucking
2: interest. spent interest. We fucking spent eight dollars on a Clay Facebook this week.
1: Luckily, it was good. But
2: what about the the fucking Catwoman one that wasn't?
1: Yo, I, I, trust me. What? So two like, out that's of that's what I'm saying. Like five, yeah. Sean's
2: cousin Bean Sartley, you know, was going around. Spending his, you know, scuba diving in gold for Joker, like it, like
1: new new Bean Lord
0: just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane! It's insane. Yeah. And wow. I, I piece this interview up like I, I, I'm reading quotes that I pulled. This is a long interview with a lot of great stuff in it. Uh, let me, let me, um, I
1: will put it in the YouTube description for people who aren't watching live. I put it in the chat for, for live watchers on both Twitch and YouTube. But
0: okay.
1: I'll throw it in Shit. there. So people I might be reading them. this after.
0: Whoa. <laughs> uh, question. And those 1,000 people keep getting older because every few years they do a survey of the average age of the direct market comic shop customers and it keeps going up. Answer. And we identified that in the 80s. And we keep on doing everything because ultimately, I'm going to get myself in trouble we're lazy or scared. It's either one. Lazy, meaning I've got this built-in, easy access to an audience that pretty much buys anything, no matter how much they complain. So therefore, we can just create for them and sort of sit back and relax. Scared is, I'm afraid to make anything new because I don't know what's out there in terms of an audience. Maybe there isn't anything out there, and if it doesn't work, we're done. Remember what I said when I talked about Luke Cage, City of Fire and ho Anderson getting axed. Marvel cannot anger the yep. 1000. Yeah. That's all I got. Marvel cannot piss them off. Not for me. Yep. Not not for me, not for Ho-Che Anderson. No way. No way. Question. <sighs> So in your wildest dreams, if there had been nothing standing in your way at DC, what was it they should have been doing? So to reframe this, if Dan Didio had full control, if Dan Didio did not have Warner Brothers breathing down his neck, if he could do whatever he wanted to do, this is what he says. You know, we tried. Honestly, most of the people I've upset is because I tried. It's an interesting thing because everybody asks for change, but nobody really wants it. That's the unspoken truth. Think about 5G. The second reality is you have to be able to change your distribution. And I always refer back to 70s DC, which is my DC. I adore it. Why? Because it's so crazy, but it's only 40% superhero. You got Westerns, you got romance, you got mystery and horror and science fiction. All this other stuff moving moving around and 40% heroes. You go to the direct market, 100% superheroes, or 85%. Why? Because that's what the direct market wanted. And as the story is told, popular, successful books on the newsstand that were profitable were being canceled to free up resources to create maybe not as profitable, but more focused books for the direct market, which were superhero-based. What that means is that superhero comics killed the western and the horror, and the everything else, because books might have been selling better, it appeared as though the average person wanted superhero comics. So they figured if they just bombarded the market with superhero comics, that would mean that even if you didn't like superhero comics, maybe someone else would come along who didn't know about it, and would pick up superhero comics. Or the person who wants superhero comics. Would buy multiple. Whereas you the horror guy. Don't have as many options. So now you're gone.
3: Yeah.
2: Your options or were if, you, or if you. Yeah. Or if you like
0: comics. You're stuck. Right. Exactly. Quote. And we narrow ourselves. And we've created this very tight little box, and it was fed by fandom. Fandom Fandom-owning stores, and basically only buying what they wanted as the gatekeepers of the industry. So we lost a lot of that opportunity. And as prices went up, we lost people a little bit more. Damn. Think about that. And what other industry can you think of where the fans are literally the ones... That are the middle person between you and what you want. Retailers are fans. No one gets into selling comics because they just want to make all this money. People who sell comics are fans. So the person selling you your books that you think is a jerk, that you think is racist that you think is a misogynist that hates DC and won't even recommend you a DC comic because of how much they hate it, but they still retail it because they have to. That person runs the industry. He's dictating what you're buying, right? They decide what you see. Do you
1: think that's an issue that the retailers essentially dictate everything that it comes out by the big two and kind
0: of has a grip, a grip on it. I mean, we're seeing that in the digital market as well. I think it's an issue. Yes, I do. Because I, yeah. how many people in this community, right, like our the pals community, have we spoken to who said I had a bad interaction with the store because the owner said this or that, or the worker made me uncomfortable, so I don't go there anymore. Think Claire Napier, who was on the show, right? Yeah, there, there was one guy in uh, in the Discord. I forget who they are. Uh, this was a while ago. Said they would never, never. Step foot in a shop again. There are several people with that feeling. Nihilus started go started uh, getting his comics delivered to him because of a similar issue. I don't want to just name the well, names of these yeah. people, but there are a lot of yeah. them that have expressed. E-
1: even you, you go, you you go to the big corpo uh, shop, you know, Midtown, because I mean, when you try to talk someone there, they don't, they don't talk to you. But <laughs> and I and I'm cool with that, but I could yeah. see other people not being sure,
0: you know. Um, but like
1: and there are but then the issue becomes like there are good shops out there there are smaller shops out there like anyone comics uh, you've talked to the guy yeah. uh, there yeah, yeah.
0: Demetrios um oh yeah. yeah comics
1: okay. uh, mark you know oh yeah who which I go to occasionally um it's great so like how do you lessen that stranglehold that retailers have on dictation of the big two without destroying retailers it, it's such a weird tug of war. Well, but I also think,
2: you know, Dan pointed out that, like, the company itself traded in on other genres. Yeah. So that the average person would come to comic books. Sure.
3: So, and,
2: yeah. You know, it's not wholly on the retailer, but because the big two won't take a chance on. A genre book. I, I mean, you know, it's a lot of the same stuff that's happening in the movies right now.
0: Now yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you guys because Kale just went into Dan's literal next point. <laughs> uh, I tried to do a quote. I tried to do a pulp line with the first wave heroes. You guys remember that first wave with um with uh uh, uh, uh JG Jones. Was the primary artist there? They had the first wave book with, I think, Brian Azzarello that did it. It was Batman. It was um, God. Oh, I can't believe you guys don't know this. I, I, this is this oh, is not wait. ringing a bell. You you know it if you see it. Um, it's it's good actually. I really enjoyed it, and I didn't think I would. Um, oh. But it's oh yeah yeah
1: yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah it was yeah, a yeah. Doc Doc uh, Doc uh, Savage. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, the spirit was in this somewhere. I had that
1: issue.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sick. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. But listen to Dan. I tried to do the line with the first wave heroes. I tried different things, even the young animal line and all these different types of flavors. I mean, my goal for New 52 wasn't about, you know, unmarried Lois and Clark, although that was a driving force or just restarting the books at number one because we know they're going to sell better. But it's to do a vampire book. And Men of War and OMAC, and Demon Knights and all these weird, crazy things under this big umbrella of attractions with the hope that the umbrella gave them enough life. My two favorite books coming out of the New 52 were Animal Man by Jeff Lemire and then early Scott Snyder Swamp Thing. Brilliant. There were a lot of good things happening on that line that weren't just about the fact that Superman wasn't wearing his shorts. (laughs) Question. It sounds like you're able to point to a couple of big problems here, which are, number one, the direct market being further and further away where the mainstream of actual comic buyers are coming from, and number two, the price point keeping it out of reach from young readers. But how do you solve either of those problems? Answer, that's the hard part because we've looked at other ways. I tried to do the Walmart initiative. I was doing $5, 100-page books, a mix of product in there, old and new, hoping that something would connect with somebody. Truth be told, the resale stores outside of the comic market prefer the higher price point. If I'm going to give up shelf space, I'm not going to give up shelf space for a dollar book or a 99-cent book. I need something that has value, so when I sell it, I make a better profit. What Dan is saying is that in a place like Walmart, where shelf space is essentially advertisements. Mm. When you're trying to sell something that's $5, what is Walmart's what's their profit on that? How do you how are you splitting that up so that it makes sense for Walmart to put that there instead of Entertainment Weekly? That's going to sell more for more money. And that was the issue
1: too, nobody could find the book.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. It's in a weird place. Had its own
1: stand for it that was hidden. It was sometimes in like the video game section, the one time I've seen it. Yeah. Right. I never saw them. Or with the trading cards. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm not going to read any more quotes. I feel like we got the gist. This was a damning barn burner. Barn burner look at the comics industry, very frank. What Dan said, very very Dan, what I got out of this is that the comic book industry in short sightedness created its own problem literally 50 years ago. The comics industry created its audience, taught them what to want, and now cannot offer that audience anything but what they convinced them that they needed 50 years ago. And the funniest part for me is, is learning your le-
1: knowing your lesson that that happened 50 years ago and how it's now bleeding into movies. Yeah. That exact same thing is happening with Marvel movies right now.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, I think that they're, they're probably, they're probably not as keenly caned in on, What the issues are, but we even see Marvel trying to make, you know, Werewolf by Night is is very different. You know, some of the movies are like they have like the Heist movie, the Espionage, like they've tried to do all that. But I think that comics, right? That phrase and superhero, we know the same thing. But in the movies, they are. In the movies, comic book movie they think of a superhero movie yeah they're the same thing people do not know that road to perdition is <laughs> a comic book movie right yeah it's true yeah so the comics industry doesn't have to be that way except for what dan didio said about young animal new 52 and first wave they don't want it kale is this recontextualize uh your opinion of dan
1: didio Oh, one thousand percent. Because even uh, people were like, Genuinely, oh, "These are the stupidest I, like, things." His,
2: uh, since since my early years of reading comics, he he said very early on uh, that in Infinite Crisis he wanted to kill Nightwing, and I was like, "Fuck that guy," <laughs> and not not. That I want Nightwing to be dead, but like, you know, take the note behind the note. Something's gotta happen. Something's yeah. gotta change. <laughs> like,
0: he was right. Right, and even look, I don't want to say. I don't want to say that like this interview makes Dan Didio a great human. True. There are there have been many accusations and things like that that Dan Didio was enabling Eddie Braganza. Uh, who uh, was an editor that. at DC? Who was uh, ac- I'll I'll use the word accused. I want to use a stronger word, but of a yeah, of sexual assault and harassment. So not great. Dan Video was also accused of having a rule that women could not be editors for Superman.
1: Too safe. Sup- yeah,
0: Ugh. the Superman line the, that editorial line a lot of people went from that to a major job either at dc or elsewhere women were kept out of that that's probably a generation lost of women in positions yeah. of power in comics so you want to talk about losing generations i think dan didio said a lot of things that are right but how different is this industry if women were allowed to flourish 30 years ago
2: not not for nothing uh I mean Heather Antos and um well, Heather Antos has you know blown the industry open uh you know for women and the stuff she went through but uh this new um what's it called the the uh the, the Asian inspired um
1: oh line oh, that was just vigil and yeah yeah okay, that yeah.
2: that whole line um was spearheaded. By uh, an Asian woman working in, you know, an Asian female editor working
0: in D.C. right now. Right. Yeah, that's that's the kind of change that happens now. Does that bring in more books or more readers rather? I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's a shot. Yeah. It's a chance. It It is
1: kind of funny seeing Didio talk about all this change that needed to happen in terms of the output and the genres and making definitive statements but we he couldn't been, look right. into inside the old, like the call is coming from inside the house you know what i mean like maybe you should have hired more diverse people to make those changes just saying
0: well dan's a dinosaur and i don't think he would argue with that i think dan sure. has a lot of opinions uh or or ways of doing business if you will that are antiquated that hurt comics and i'm yeah. sure that dan would admit i would imagine he would admit to making mistakes and being part of the problem. There's never been a time in comics where the big two weren't run and overseen by people who came from the same exact time period that we're talking about. It's all it's all the same people. There's no never anyone new in it's positions one, of power. One actually.
1: giant circle jerk.
0: Right. Yeah. They came up under the same people, they <laughs> learned the same lessons, they're perpetuating those same things. Yeah. But one thing you do have to say about Dan, when you look at the totality, 18 years, a lot of success, the rise of Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, and others under the editorial guidance of Dan Didio. New 52, young animal, pointed out first wave, tried 5G and failed. He did try to do things different. The industry showed him it doesn't want that. Yeah. So, what do you do? I think, yeah, I think, I think
2: (laughs) taking his point of view of the history of the big two and what they have engineered for the industry, I think is what's really, really salient here. You know, if you, you know, if you want to separate his problems from the, you know, from everything else, like, that history alone to me, like, you know, like we said, is
1: damning. Yeah. I I like to think this is on purpose on your part, Sean, but, like, this is a great bookend to what we started the show with, with the Ultimate Universe. Um, It's, it's, we're talking about, like, they, they can't just do the same thing anymore. Like, they have to do something different with the Ultimate Universe. And if what the Ultimate Universe is, and this new Ultimate Universe potentially could be, is an answer to kind of maybe get some of these lost generations, good. If it's not, what the fuck are we doing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's crazy that 20 years ago, the solution to the problem that Marvel had of being stale was to launch a separate universe with the exact same characters, just at earlier points in their life. That was the solution that worked at that time to save an industry that was dying and a company that just couldn't get people to buy their books. The answer was to do the same thing again. That's not going to work this time. It's not going to work this time. You cannot do that. And I think that the industry has to face some hard facts. If if the people who have the buying power in comics are all the same people from the 80s and they're all 40 and up and they're set in their ways and they want what they want, if you want to continue selling comics, you have to play to them. But these will be the same people you'll be playing to until they're dead. And then what? Dan Didio surmises two generations lost. What about the next one? And the one after that?
1: We got we to get those iPad kids on our side. Webtoons, they we need. We know we need Web3. We need a Web3 comics industry that can change the way you view comics.
0: We need it. It's time. Yeah, I, I thought this interview was fascinating. It's a great look at the perspective of someone who, like him or not, you know, has 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 a unique look at the industry, working at it in every level. And while it is a dire uh, forecast that Dan seems to have for the industry, I'm not so negative. And the reason is because of what's happening outside of the big two. We know that comic book sales are actually growing. This is not BS. It's just that it's growing away from superhero comics. It's growing in the young readers market um, and it's growing uh, shoot I lost my train of thought. It's growing in the young readers market and it's growing in manga. If you consider manga comics, which they are those are growing. And genre is
1: massive. Horror is huge. Romance is coming back. Right, and you know what? You know what has genre, manga, slice of life, isekai, uh, horror. You know,
0: like they have genre. Right, and it's like the big two cannot offer that; they just can't. Yeah, they can't. It's like it's like what I was saying before about I don't want to see Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in another scenario story. Like, I I don't right. You can't just give me Batman, but it's a Western. You got to give me a Western with unique characters in a unique situation. DC's never going to do that. That's not their bag. It's up to Image. It's up to Boom. It's up to the other publishers to make that happen.
1: That's why I like Silver Coin. You know what I mean?
0: The genre exists outside of the big two. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to love in comics. Um, I really want to know, if you're listening to this, what do you think about what Dan had to say? Um, I want to reiterate, none of this is about, you know, um, ignoring Dan's legacy or bad history with certain things. That wasn't the point of this conversation, so please don't get in the mentions. We know all that stuff. This was about a bit this was about something very specific. Um yeah. this, this, this is about his time in comics and what he
1: was able to see on the front line. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not
0: the person.
2: Not what he did on the front line.
0: Or refused to do. Wow. Well, yeah. Very rarely do we get to hear from someone with this level of experience speak candidly. So, yeah,
1: It's they're either um, dead or don't talk about it anymore.
0: <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. He made great points about Alan Moore and why he feels bad for Alan Moore, because people just well, want him. They, they just want Watchmen. They don't want whatever else. They want Watchmen and how frustrating that must give be. Give me the I'm Alan like, Moore biopic, man. Let's let's do it. I can't say enough how much I recommend the article. So, you know, go give that a view. Did you like this presentation? Did you like us? Dissecting this interview in a more long-form way. Let us know how you felt about that as well. I uh, I don't, I don't care if they did, I did. <laughs>
1: I <thought laughs> oh, that's like, oh, great, Sean. <laughs> this was not on my
0: radar at all. So thank you for this. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I'm glad I worked for. Let's uh, uh, let's guys tweet at the
1: Comics me. Journals. Be like, yo, thanks for the content. Yeah. <laughs> Kephas. Phenomenal.
0: Kefis is super into it too. Apparently. Oh, great. I'm glad to hear that. I'm very, Sean's very trying to find the next 5G files. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I have it. Um, and it's not this,
2: but... It'll be exciting when you hear it, though. Y'all I, love it. I hope so.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Let us know in any of the aforementioned ways. You guys know how to get us. Social media, of course, at the Comics Pals. If you want to vote for the listener pick for Pals polls, head on over to Twitter after the show about... An hour. The the poll will be up for you all to vote in. Uh, If you want to suggest a book for the poll, you know how to get us. We are imminently going to be hitting 1,000 subscribers. Uh, I think we're 20 away. So if you know someone who might be interested, now would be a great time to share this with them. Kale will be doing a backflip at 1,000 subs. So 1,000 subs, I will break my back for this
2: podcast. Yeah, everybody says Sean carries it, but he's never broken
1: <laughs> his back for it. So that's true. Who who will be the real hero? What do I do? Uh, blow blowbacks at? Ooh.
0: <laughs> Not lately. That's nah, Marcos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a highlighted message. Um, uh, you can't read that. She's been banned. I don't,
1: I don't see any highlighted message. I don't see anything.
0: Yeah. Nope. She's been
1: banned. I, you can't. I, uh, wow. I was so busy actually buff. doing doing journalism and we're busy. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a whole side
0: story happening in the chat <laughs> yeah, that yeah, I'm yeah. not aware <laughs> of. <laughs> well, I mu- I must read the message. Uh, it is. You can never ban me. Well, Weird. Wonder who that's from. Is look. She Hulk back. Better <laughs> not be. That's not right. Um, You know why we don't, Kale? Because uh, we run the show, not you. And if you want to make about what we need to be doing, there is a website where you can do that at. It's called patreon.com. And I would prefer it if you didn't give us all your suggestions and all your comments and criticisms in our chat. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Respect goes both ways. Anyway, patreon.com slash thecomicspals, where for as little as $3 a month, you can make suggestions about what you think we should be doing with the listener poll, or really whatever you want. Um, You get access to our newsletter, our exclusive show, Palling Around, where we talk about whatever we feel like talking about that's not comics-related, and uh, you can vote in our book club this week or this month, Strange Adventures one uh patrons will be able to vote on the next book club uh here very soon so
1: if that's not announced be ready yet, for the that. options sorry the options will be of that will be announced once the other one comes up right am i on that
0: yeah okay yeah um yeah everything else at the comics palace come hang out on discord if you want we've got a great crew over there lots of fun uh you guys know what to do. Let's do the plugs, Kale.
2: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. This is uh, it's been a good, good, good ass, a good ass show. Uh, that, man, that interview
1: got me fucking hyped. What time is it where you are, Kale? Uh, six o'clock. I got to go to bed. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Gee, thanks. He got his adrenaline pumping before his his, uh, his sleepy time tea.
2: Gonna have.
1: Dan didio nightmares now
2: you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at toto intow that's totoi and tow you can find my work at killward.com that's C-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. um man all I think is I know I say this constantly all I think about is
1: Pokemon when uh, the just, the the thing is coming up right Pokemon day
2: yeah yeah can't wait to have uh Pokemon on a system that I don't have expand they're put I'm positive they're going to put stuff on the expansion pack the game boy advance stuff that they just put out is on the expansion pack
1: I oh just... oh you mean like the the online subscription thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i
0: got you got you pissed hey thanks t man t man says it was very insightful and thanks for the content thank you thank you appreciate respectful listeners um tyler you're up uh, you can follow me at, uh, the Tyler Olson on
1: Instagram and Twitter or on TikTok, where I tell people to go to therapy. Um, what, uh, <laughs> what else? I'm hungry guys. I have like, I've been like, I've had this bowl of lucky charms that I poured this morning.
0: That's before the show.
1: Yeah. Before the show. But I was too busy doing the, the actual like show stuff and I forgot to eat it and it's just been staring at me and I had to prevent my cat from eating a marshmallow. So uh, I will be eating Lucky Charms. If you guys want to talk about cereal, please let me know your favorite cereals. Captain Crunch. I, uh... uh Captain Crunch? The one that just destroys the roof of your mouth?
2: Well, peanut butter crunch. I'm
1: not... I'm not... Oh, okay. All right. Completely a sadist. You're not like an Oops All Berries type of guy. Not on purpose.
2: I'll dabble, but... Ooh, 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 ooh. All right. hephis uh... Kefis points out that I should uh we we have a channel in the Discord called uh Wild Cats Boxing Gym. If uh if you're into exercise at all uh at any level, we uh we're super into encourage- encouraging each other and uh trying to really get in uh get in there. Um it's helped me a lot and I'm the one that dang started it. So uh <laughs> Kefis and Manny are in there. Their experience, they're experienced. Uh, they're they're working it. Uh, that person that was banned, uh, she probably won't be in it anymore. But who can say?
0: You know, that's all a joke, by the way. No one was bad or banned. Oh, she was bad. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing. I've been going on hikes. Should I be
1: posting that in there in that Discord? Sure. Why not? The gym.
2: The gym is whatever you want it to be. I hate gyms. I I have been uh getting up at 5 a.m. to write. And that's also been my
1: Thank gym. You. Yeah, that would be a gym in a sense, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um
0: it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh as for me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Sean Soapbox. Uh you know what? I don't have anything to plug. Uh I'm playing Metroid Prime. That's been a lot of fun.
2: Whoa. Oh God. I wish I could afford that. That's one of my favorite games.
0: Ditto. It's uh Man, have God you seen, seen any used. like images from the the remake?
2: Bits and pieces, but uh I don't rem- <laughs> I don't remember enough from the original to be able to tell the difference that much.
1: I so. do have a question for Sean and maybe the listeners. Um Anybody see the Suicide Squad game footage at the PlayStation prevents, presents state of play thing? I don't care about it. Really? Oh, dude. I'd be it'd be great. It'd be such good uh, Twitch content. It's four player, you know, co op.
0: I mean, if you want to make content, we could talk about that. But like as a <laughs> as a like oh, really? game okay. Not your you know? thing. Yeah. No. Okay. Um yeah, that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, of course. 10.15 a.m. Eastern on Saturdays on Twitch and YouTube. 6 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays for Pools. So hang out with us. Uh, Sean, you have one more
1: highlighted chat to
0: to say. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Catherine, for your dedication. You're the best and never banned.
1: Well, damn it, Sean. You said it. Now I guess it's true. Fuck, like a Rumble Stiltskin or a Mr. Mr. situation.
2: Wow, it's almost it's. Huh. She's a batmite. A palmite. Whoa. See you next week. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Take care, guys.